Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Testing Room, where three plus two of the gaming industry's best video game consultants who have never actually consulted on a video game bring you new topics each and every week. I'm Jake, a.k.a. Odin. Casey, just just Casey. I'm Christian, <laughs> a.k.a. Sudowoodoo45. Go ahead, Preston. I'm Preston, a.k.a. Funkadelic Jedi, and we're going out of order for some reason. It's okay. And I'm Alex, a.k.a. The Godfather, and the reason we're going out of order is because what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Worlds Podcast. I'm Alex here, as you heard, with Jake, Casey, Preston, and Christian, the black, blue, yellow, and pink rangers to my red. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. I will let you guys figure out which color I put with which person. So have fun. I call Black Ranger. I call oh, it. No, I, I put them in an order specifically, so it's fine. I already picked for you. Oh, you <laughs> did. I don't care. Yeah. I know what I want. Mm-hmm. So I, Jake, I appreciate the. Uh, I'll pass it back over to you in a second, but I appreciate you. Your job was harder because you had to do more math than I've ever had to do. We've never had this many co-hosts. I've only ever had to do three plus one. So good on you. Yeah, it was tough, but I I powered through. Very nice. All right. So I'll let you yeah, kick things off today. What are we doing? Why are we all here? Well, you know, we're all friends. We've all yeah. been on uh, each other's various shows. Well, and... this is my uh, my first for me. Well, right. But I, I just meant that uh, they've been on ours, both yeah. of ours, actually. Yeah. yeah. And I thought it was high time that we all got together and had a proper a uh, proper crossover so yeah you know new year new us um so yeah we're gonna have fun we i think casey and i mentioned it uh last episode but i got a copy of uncle scrooge and donald duck's les miserables and war and peace and everyone's hands so <laughs> we're gonna talk about that here in a little bit um but yeah Preston, I believe we have comment corner. We do with no comments. We're all good. Uh, but please feel free to stop by and uh, check me out on twitch.tv slash testing room pod as we've been doing Street Fighter Sunday mornings. Come hang out for a little bit. Watch me suck ass at Street Fighter and get my shit kicked in. Where did you made you up know, to Iron Rank? I, I did. I mean, I was very, I was very good this past Sunday. Yeah. I was like 10 and 3. I actually did well. I was That's okay. Can I say, just, just take your dubs. I Can like I say about your comment corner that the thing I appreciate most is clearly people would go, oh, if you're going to do a podcast, we're going to get together. You probably hop on early, even if there's not like a traditional production meeting, like maybe you talk for a moment. Preston always has ample time to tell you if he has comments or if he does not have comments, but he always leaves you in suspense until you pass. He always leaves you guess the first time. time. <laughs> Never know. There's no way you could find out. There's no way you could go to YouTube.com slash the testing room. And give us a comment down on our videos or on our Instagram. It's fine. The problem is sometimes people just text us yeah. or, or you know, message us. Like, hey, second fans or, of our friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Quick, giving up my personal number. <laughs> Amazing. I, I have one or two people that, that come into the shop and will tell me the fan, their answers to the Fantastic Four. Um, but rarely does anybody ever comment it. I, which I don't mind that they'd rather tell me in person. Sure, uh, that's fine. Interactions is interactions. It is what it have is. Have you 
Have you ever, like, are these people you're really close with or just like people that maybe listen because they shop and, and you're not super close? Like, I, I guess my question is, have you ever just looked at them and gone like, oh, sorry, you missed your chance. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> Too late. No, but I mean, some of the people that have told me, like, I just didn't know that they listened until they had a fantastic four answer. And then after that, it's like, oh, well. I mean, they they take the time to listen to our dumb show. I'm going to be friendly with them. You know what I mean? Uh, and then we become close. So there you go. Yeah. Any listeners that want to become close, just <laughs> just talk just to me. to our podcast. <laughs> just come spend your money. Just come spend your money at my store. We'll yeah. be friends. Yeah. yeah and if you, and if you keep doing it, you know, I might get you my social security number by the end of it. So just like keep coming and. We'll never know. <laughs> yeah. You could be the lucky person to be so close with me that I give you my tax ID. <laughs> not to not to derail us before we get into like what we've read and other things, but um, oh, this was just when, rails? <laughs> when it comes when it comes to like people stealing stuff. I don't know about you, but does anybody here have an Instacart login? No. Is anybody mm-hmm. like so late? Okay. So, you know, pandemic, you had to order groceries. We have just decided, me has decided like I'm too lazy to go into the store anymore because it, it takes a lot of time to shop. So I do Instacart. I have never had an account of any sort that has attempted hacks more than that. I get about here's your Instacart verification number emails three times a day, every day. Like, wow. I don't know who cares that much. And I use Apple Pay, so you wouldn't even get my actual card number anyway. Like, it's not a big deal. But, like, there must just be a hacking farm somewhere or somebody just running a script that just tries to hack Instacart, of all things, a billion times a day. Do you want me to answer it for you? Sure, absolutely. It's, and I don't, do not take this in the way that I know you're going to take it because... <laughs> You love to dramatize things when I say them to you. That is absolutely not true. (laughs) Their user base is just, especially after the pandemic, has been heavily skewed towards the elderly. And so they are used to the very easy and simple passwords that the elderly typically use to protect their things so they probably are just assuming that you're an old person that can't go get groceries (laughs) there is there's no possible way as one of the older people on this podcast i could take that offensively at all yeah be careful (laughs) yeah 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 uh that's funny that preston even chimed in because i know that he goes to a grocery store and buys his groceries like a human i think that happens right yeah. So it had nothing to do with you. Right. So Alex being the only person <laughs> that was using Instacart, <laughs> who's not 85. Convenient, man. I'm not going to do a plug for Instacart because they charge way too much for delivery and stuff, but it is convenient. And I'm but hey, Instacart, yeah. if you're listening and want to sponsor the episode. Well, yeah, if, you want to, is... if you want the Two Worlds podcast, we'll, we'll allow it. We'll plug you up. So hard. <laughs> We deny I mean, you know, people all the time, but we would allow Instacart. Yeah. <laughs> so we have we have a running joke uh, between us, which I, we haven't really said in a while, but I, I know I'm sure Christian and Preston still feel the same way. But like from way back in the day, when we had a really old podcast with an acquaintance we don't talk to anymore. We always said we would make it if we had like Canada Dry as one of our sponsors. And man, oh, that's right. that's oh what God. I shoot for. If we could ever get that, if we could ever lock down that Canada Dry sponsor, right we'd be done. 
we'd be done. You no, know, I'm genuinely, I would never be surprised if one day you guys legitimately got a Gamefly code. I'm trying. I know you are. Now. And I'm I mean, the only subscriber. I've, sooner I've, or later, they have to pay. I've reached out and I've essentially gotten here. You can put these banners on your website. Like, we don't have a website. I'm sorry. <laughs> but also, that's website. stupid. Give me a code. Yeah. I know. I wish they would. I asked them. They said they don't do that. Well, that's they why should. they have one subscriber. Exactly. If you, I feel like if you keep emailing that one person that keeps responding saying we don't do that, they'll eventually CEO, give you more than a we don't do that. And you can become friends. They'll just like, give me a fake in. <laughs> which would be really funny there's only one person he's talking to it's the owner of gamefly <laughs> yeah it's the only person who works there dale, the dale, dale dale and his apartment attached to his like his, his like big just farm warehouse out there there's nothing but games he goes and purchases from walmart sends them out to just preston anytime people get too close he's like pocket game and then he throws a disc at their face i just borrow games from a guy named dave it's not really gamefly yeah day fly yeah. day fly all right sorry for the derailment well i got a couple of trivia cards here okay casey and i usually do trivia uh and i thought it'd be fun to extend it to you guys i don't know that any of them are terribly difficult yeah see you say that but there's plenty of times that i listen to your show and you guys are your trivia and you guys will be like, oh, man, dude, this is a slam dunk. And then you say the question. I'm like, I have no fucking clue what that answer is. <laughs> can I there's very, also put there's you on the sometimes spot, where like if the answer is Batman, I'm like, oh, OK, yeah, that's easy. But what was that, Alex? Can I put you on the spot um, yeah. and give you something to do before the end of the show? Can we also do a, a Sonic ad lib? Oh, or like a Mad Libs. And, and I'll tell you and let me tell you why. Because I will never forget, I am I am a type A personality that doesn't that likes to please people, and I will never forget doing that with you. And you were like, you're giving answers that are too like PC, <laughs> and I wasn't going outrageous enough, and that has haunted me for like two years now. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, we we can absolutely. Uh, it's right here. So <laughs> I mean, we do trivia too. I'm down for trivia, but I also yeah, I, we'll want, I just also want to redeem myself in the Sonic Mad Libs with everybody here. Sure. No, that that sounds super fun. He visited a furry website, so now he's ready to go. <laughs> visited, logged <Yeah>. in, <laughs> just wanted Deviant Arts. Fine. All right. So let's see here. Um, Christian. I'll give you what I think is the easiest one. All oh right. Boy. So it's multiple choice if you need it. What is the nickname of Daredevil's friend and business partner, Franklin Nelson? I know it is one. I'm sure you like do. Yeah, I'm, be the only I'm, one I know, too. I'm certainly, certainly going to need uh, the multiple choice. All right. We've got a froggy. B foggy C Nelly. Um I'm uh I'm gonna go with foggy, final answer. Correct. Nice. 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 I no idea. Answer. Not a clue. I was hoping you're gonna go with that good old Nelly Nell. Nelly yeah. Nelson over here. <laughs> 
I just love that Froggy was a choice because mm-hmm. I just made me think of like Big the Cat, like a gritty Big the Cat with, you know, Froggy as his best friend. <laughs> I need to see Big the Cat in Daredevil's yeah. costume. All right, Preston, because you're next on my screen here. Sure. Um, what longtime adversary of the Hulk became the Red Hulk? Oh, um, I know who it is, but I don't know his exact name. Do I get multiple choice? No. <laughs> okay. Um, only Christian gets the training wheels because it's he's going to be showing up in the Thunderbolts movie. Uh, General Ross. Yep, I was like, boy, you just Fuck said yeah. half of it. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. it's the first Thunderbolt part of his name. Ross. Thunderbolt Ross, that's right, yeah. General Ross. Today, yeah. I learned there's a Red Hulk. Yeah, he's yeah. a Gray Hulk? Don't look he's into it. Hulks. Hey, Christian, yeah. he's going to be played by Harrison Ford, the new Thunderbolts movie. No that's way. CGI. CGI'd Harrison Ford, Yep, mm-hmm. because he's like 83 years old now. going to Hulk out. And he's actually been working out for it. He's gonna. He's gotten fucking huge. I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, That's also so... all the baby stem cells because that man <laughs> yeah. is one foot in the grave. Wheeling him out into the fucking <laughs> out of the crypt that he stays in. I saw a quote about that though, where they're like, he was like, Yeah, Disney said it was either this or do another Han Solo. So I signed up for this. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. You know, if that, I was if I was given the option, I would too, because I he's already seen what they can do with CG without him actually being on set. And you know, as a Marvel movie, you're like never gonna be on set doing action yourself. So why not? Yeah. Collect that paycheck. Oh yeah. I'm nervous. I, I knew the last two, but I'm worried I'm not gonna know this one. It's like pop quiz in school. It'd be so embarrassing if I got mine and you didn't get yours. <laughs> <laughs> it won't. It won't. It'll All be right. my life, Christian. Let's find <laughs> out. Alex, what villain poses as Hawkeye on Norman Osborn's first government-sanctioned Avengers team? Of course. Dude, that is like of course. Can't be Thunderbolt. Yeah, no, can't be Thunderbolt Ross or no, fucking no, no, no. Think Nelson. Just think about it. Osborn's putting together an Avengers team. Who does he get as Hawkeye? Hmm. Would this be a classic villain that's like been in the sinister six and other things before or is it like a different sort of i mean you know who it is yeah you know who it is i'll say that much (laughs) i know who it is and no multiple choice on this one nope Mm. uh bullseye yes yeah there you go there we go yeah 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 good old colin phil he he used Siri. I know he did. He had he had a voice. I wasn't on. I was off mute. <laughs> he was the there. Glasses. Yeah, yeah dude. He was like, "There's no way I know this." And then all of a sudden, randomly, was like, oh, "We hear the clacking yeah. of the right. keyboard." <laughs> you, you, you saw this big ass thing right here most of the time. <laughs> I'm not it. typing. I'm not typing quickly. <laughs> you don't need to type. You just hold your finger down the the side button. You just got one finger. I know that was work. I can't see you listening. I guess I can. Theoretically, I, I can know barely. You can. Yeah. Yeah. The other hand. All right, Casey. Last one to you. It is multiple choice if you need it. All right. The demon Mephisto first appeared in what superheroes comic book? Oh, I thought this was about to be a Diablo question. I was like, yo. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna need the, the choices on this one. All right. A Doctor Strange, B Silver Surfer, and C Thor. I'm gonna say. Thor? 
Incorrect. Damn. Strange. Nope. Silver Surfer. Oh, shit. It's okay. issue, I think it's issue two or three. It's one of the two. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I knew it wasn't. I've read enough early Doctor Strange where I was like, I know it's not him. Really? Okay. Yeah. 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 Totally I makes sa- sense. I saved to, the hardest uh, one for Casey. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it I, makes sense you, to like introduce a demon with like a cosmic story. Why would you not? Because you know, you have no other characters demons that, that would fit. Yeah. Like the gods, because like it Thor. was the Marvel offices in the 60s, and they probably just <laughs> ripped a line of coke and were like, demon and silver <laughs> surfboard. <laughs> I don't know. And Stanley's like, slap my name on it. I'll, I'll take it. I don't care. Excelsior. Anyway, good job, guys. <laughs> good job, everyone, but Casey. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we are going to do the Sonic Mad Lib. Um, we'll just go around in that same uh, order for answers here. Okay. Um, for those listening, if you haven't listened to one of our famous Sonic Mad Libs, it's going to get absolutely filthy. So, yeah. you know, skip ahead if you don't want to hear it. Yeah, both me and Casey here. Get ready. Um, Dirty boys. All right, Christian. A place. Uh, a sex dungeon. That's as dirty as Christian gets, just so everyone's aware. That's as dirty as he gets. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll go to Preston for the ver- or for the adjective, so it'll get real gross. All right, Preston, a noun. Dildo. Alex, a noun. Water sports. Hey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> see Christian hates it already. I do. <laughs> Casey, a number. 69. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Always. Uh, Christian, a celebrity. Oh, uh, Harvey Weinstein. Ooh, okay. Preston, I need a verb ending in ing. Fucking. <laughs> I learned from. I'm Casey. not gonna lie because <laughs> because of the furry implications here. I thought he was definitely gonna say yiffing, and I was like, oh god. Christian knows more about furry vocabulary know. than I do. I don't even I don't know, know what yiffing what the fuck that is. is. Yeah. You want to share with the class, yeah. Christian? Yeah, Christian. I have no idea. idea. I just know it's related to furries. That's oh, it. Oh, Christian, okay. Christian, okay. Christian is your, okay. I don't. Your, I your just best know. friend that doesn't watch sports that has a secret sports room in his house. That's like, just I, not yeah. the case. <laughs> hey, Jake, you have control like to put the screen up. Just Google control the screens and pull up Yiffing yeah, so we can all learn. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> he might get canceled. We might cancel two shows with one stone. <laughs> uh, all right, Alex, an adjective. Uh, let's go vigorously. Oh. Got me excited. Casey, a plural noun. Of balls. Oh, can I do Stephen Hawking's balls since you know, he was on Epstein <laughs> Island? Sure, why not? Cool. Okay. Um, Christian, a city. 
St. Louis. Preston, a verb. Edging. <laughs> okay. Alex, an adjective. You're muted. Yep, I know. Tenderly. Okay. Casey, a person. Um, Stephen Hawking. He's on my mind. Those flight <laughs> logs. <laughs> like, what was he doing there? Can't be that much fun for him. Just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm assuming I'm, I have I've not been in tune to the news the past two days just with uh, my whole hand and sleeping most of the day. Am I getting from context something about Epstein's documents new, yeah. and yeah, and Stephen, Stephen Hawking. Hawking? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, didn't he have kids? So I think it worked. Everything worked. We had to have kids like. Things, think, things worked for I, him, well, according well, to the movie. Okay, so to be clear, I think the kids came from when he was like, you know, not in not the chair, wheelchair. Back. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think he was in the wheelchair at the time. Now he may not have been as advanced, like can't talk in the wheelchair. But I think that stuff came while he was in the wheelchair. I think he came. Maybe, while he was in the yeah, but it's not the Stephen Hawking <laughs> that we all know, which is the point. It, yeah, there, there's sure. scientific ways to do that stuff without having Zach's Yes. But and it also though it's like what's he doing Thank with the kids on the island? That's why I just want to know because it's like this is him and Will. No, like you don't want to know. I don't think you want to know. Yeah. All right, Christian, a verb. Uh, running. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Away from this conversation, which is what Christian <laughs> yeah. wants to do. So. I'm just thinking of like Sonic <laughs> running. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, you know, fucking running. Uh, yeah. All right. Preston, another celebrity. Since we, uh, I mean, both Alex thought we saw her in the Jurassic Park uh, game trailer. Uh, Mia Khalifa. <laughs> okay, that's not where I thought. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> you didn't actually say that out loud. Because if I'm not oh, mistaken, it's recorded on YouTube. Did, yeah. we, did we say that? I thought that was more of just a, was that who I think? No, I you said it first, it? and then I'm like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I forgot about that. That was so awkward. I hated being a part of that. <laughs> it did look like her, though, to be fair. It did. It did look like her. She's branching out. Yeah, she sure is. Um, yeah. Alex, a noun. Oh, um, what are we not covered? Uh, cock ring, ring, Sonic, you know, but for his dick. <laughs> Casey, yes, part of the body, <laughs> big old schlong. Hey, yo, that's where the ring goes. Okay, and finally, Christian, an adjective. Uh, bleeding. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no. <sighs> All right. I feel like I should down this entire thing. Yeah, you probably should. All right. 
we've got a budding friendship. Tales searched high and low across the sex dungeon to find the legendary Sonic the Hedge dildo. <laughs> he had heard stories of Sonic, the fastest water sports in the universe, for 69 years. The Hedgehog was the Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The Hedgehog was the Harvey Weinstein of super speedy fucking. Jesus. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Bad. Okay. <laughs> he was a vigorous hero among Stephen Hawking's balls, great and small. When Tails finally found Sonic living in St. Louis, he was so excited to finally meet his idol. He hoped that when he grew up, he could edge just like Sonic. <laughs> and Sonic was just as eager to make a tender friend. <laughs> this is absolutely insane. <sighs> he really liked his life with Tom and Stephen Hawking. Oh. But he thought it would be great to have someone his own age to run with. And Sonic was secretly flattered. The tails looked at him like he was Mia Khalifa and thought <laughs> that he was an incredible cock ring. Oh, no. <laughs> Sonic no. was happy to take Tails under his big old schlong. It was the beginning of a bleeding friendship. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in. We all have to go take a very cold shower. <laughs> Hope you weren't listening to us loudly on speaker. We need to figure out. Kids. We need to figure out if we have anybody that listens to this, these pods that is an animator. And if you would love to animate <laughs> these little shorts would be hilarious. I mean, nobody from our community will do it, so maybe your community will. <laughs> uh, well, it would be the things of torture, reading those. I have to animate all of that. <laughs> uh, um, all right. Well yeah. So shall we talk about the... Uh... Oh, wait, you want to go through weeks. So sorry. Weeks. Continue. All right, how do we want to do this? We want to do, we can do just go with our weeks each week, uh, and then we can just say what we've read and played this week. I'll, I'll kick, I'll kick things off. I'll make it really, really easy um, because I had a second path digging around in my hand. <laughs> not yet. Tomorrow, that'll be tomorrow. Uh, if you're listening, you know I can't play games. I'm, I'm out for a while. It looks like the verdict is going to be uh, around twelve weeks. So. Um, I would assume if you tune into uh, the testing room pod, you will be able to literally gauge my descent into destruction and insanity over the next few weeks. Um, I can't, I can't play games. Wait. Yeah, it's going to get wild. So <laughs> uh, I've been watching shows. I've caught up on Monarch, which is Same. Uh, not bad and end up better than I expected. Like I'm really yeah. enjoying that show it's when i'm gonna start going back I'm, I'm gonna catch up i think i'm like four episodes back of my hero i started watching um uh demon slayer and demon hunter demon hunter demon slayer slayer demon slayer. Slayer. slayer that's what i thought okay i always get that wrong and i thought i messed that one up started watching that so i'm gonna watch all my shows uh that i'm behind on which is gonna be great including jojo i know that'll make christian happy i'll catch up on that i promise and um 
then the only thing that I've read has been what we're going to talk about tonight, which is uh, Uncle Scrooge and Donald Duck in Les Mis and War and Peace. And I'm so excited to talk about this. So quick and easy. Yeah. All right. Uh, me next. Sure. All right. So uh, I don't play video games really. And when I do, I, I play Gigabash, which I don't Gigabash. know if you guys, if you guys have played that at all. They have a new, uh, it's like, like a rip off of Smash Brothers with giant monsters. And, oh, right on. And they, they had like a DLC in November that was uh, Ultraman and a couple different Ultra characters. And then bef- the year before they had Godzilla. It's fun. But it's also like, since I don't have, I don't play online, it's just me playing against the same computer shit over and over again. So I don't do it very often. And then I read Shazam, uh, issue seven, Doctor Strange 11, Batman 141, and Fantastic Four 15. And then the Lay Miz, Uncle Scrooge stuff. But, and then I've watched, I'm all caught up on Monarch also. Fucking love it. But I'm everything you read this week, what was your favorite? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, Probably Doctor Strange. No, Strange. I'm I'm gonna say Batman actually. Okay. Surprisingly enough, because I picked up on a whim because it's such a light week and it was actually really good. I don't believe who is, you. Who is <laughs> uh, who's writing Batman stories right now? It's uh, Zadarsky still, and he. Uh, okay. I haven't been the the biggest fan, but like every once in a while, I guess glimmers of good, you know, greatness, and this was this is a glimmer of that. So I'm gonna have to. Are, are you telling out. me? Are you telling me you missed the good days of King? Like no. the weddings, that's you really want to get back to those days? Not at all. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it, I like Tynan's run. That was pretty good. But it's just like, I just want some good Batman. I don't know if we're going to get that again, you know, for a while. I actually really liked that, like, four issues we've got of Williamson right yeah. before Zadarsky took over. It's like, man, give me more of that. Mm-hmm. I, uh... I think I yeah, I still have him up there. What I love about uh, Williamson is he's a really great guy when he signs comics and does little doodles, even though not an illustrator on all of mm-hmm. his stuff, puts a little flash emblem on stuff. I think he even does little Batman logos too, which is really great. So that is cool. I, yeah, I don't think nice I don't think I've met him yet. You met him, with, Casey? Have we met him? <laughs> yeah, you met him with me one year because he was like, it just kind of popped up randomly at C two E two, and I we ran into him. And he autographed, you know, like or I just talked to him briefly because I didn't have any of his because he wasn't supposed to be there. Mm. So he was, he was really cool though, really nice. Mm-hmm. Alex, we we need to have a C two E two hang out again. Uh, I will totally travel to Chicago. We'll travel for con. I'll just say that. So <laughs> we, we figured that out. I am totally fine to uh, make it travel. My wife does girls trips for her, like girls weekends and stuff. I will totally make mine like a, a con trip. So let's do it. Excellent. Holding you to that. Mm-hmm. Deal. All right. I can go next. Do it. Um, I played a couple games. Uh, always snapping, snapping, snapping. Uh, Hercules comes out this week, so they're gonna drop him. He just seems kind of like a mech card. We're not too worried about him. Uh, but Kyra has been doing pretty good, been doing pretty well. Um, saving all the ones. Hey, Preston, uh, is but Herc- don't is Hercules? Hey, question. Meta's getting kind of meh as far as it's the same like two or three decks I'm playing ninety percent of the time against. So like, I always see a Thanos deck. I'll always see a. Uh, the high evolutionary deck 
And on occasion, you get sprinkled in like a destroyed deck or something like that. But it's just, it doesn't seem like there'd be a whole lot in the meta. So I'm kind of feeling meh. I'm just the average gameplay right now, but it'll change up. They'll drop a patch. They're dropping a patch tomorrow. It's supposed to change some shit. We'll see how much they fuck up the meta. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. Um, is your last... Hercules an, a regular comic Hercules or is it a Brett Goldstein Hercules from the Thor movie, like the cameo? It'll probably be just a regular classic Hercules. They might have a variant card that might be Brett Goldstein. That'd be cool. But no, I did get a sweet high evolutionary uh, variant because they started doing variants to where it actually looks like a page of a comic. So I got a high evolutionary one of that. I like that one a lot. Um, but yeah, Snap's good. Snap's always good. Uh, and I finished Pizza Tower. Pizza Tower is very fun. Enjoyed it. Just like finished just south of 10 hours to play it. Um, if you guys uh, from the two worlds I've ever played, the uh, old Wario games, like on the Game Boy, it's a lot like that, except you play Mr. Pepino. He's in this weird fantasy world of pizza stuffs because he owns his own pizza place and he's climbing the pizza tower to get the very end to fight the bosses. Um, there is literally like a ripoff of the Noid. They call him the Noise, but he looks exactly like the Noid from Domino's. Um, but very last boss, very hard. You fight him phase one, phase two, and then all of a sudden he tosses all the bosses at you. You got to go with one at a time. But rather than hitting them eight times a piece, uh, what you're doing is he goes into like Jojo mode. So you get him stunned, you hit him. And all of a sudden he's like, you see a half the health bar go down. I'm like, yeah, it felt pretty good going through those. But if you mess up at all during any of that entire long boss battle, start all over again. I'm like, oh, so it took me, it took, it took me about a good hour. Or so last night to beat that boss, but it was a lot of fun. Enjoyed it a lot. Um, it would not have cro- uh, cracked my top 10 uh, from last year, but it, it's still pretty good um but yeah other than that like alex uh, i've been kind of catching up with my shows caught up with monarch now things of that nature but yeah nothing too too crazy echo comes out tomorrow so i'm super stoked to got the day off tomorrow so i will be enjoying the echo show and it's uh i heard a cool little tidbit to where uh the main character the main girl the actress lady uh, who plays echo um she's chaka chaksa i f- forget the uh the tribe name but they actually have a dub uh, for that language in the show that they're putting on Disney Plus. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, it's my week. Nice. I heard they're dropping all episodes at once too, like all five. Are they? I thought they were just doing just two, but yeah, if they do all five, cool. Uh, yeah, I heard a rumor. I don't they know have no faith in it. Hey. And they don't want to promote it. That's why. It's, it, which is insane. Works. Yeah, I know. Because like everyone, at least at the at my shop, is like stoked for it. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's yeah. worrisome for me. Because within the NCU, you're creating this greater Daredevil universe and you bought, you know, Netflix's Daredevil and you brought over the best Kingpin we've seen and you brought over, um, you know, Matt, the best Matt Murdock we've seen like in a live action. But you don't seem to care about the things going on around Daredevil, which does not make it promising for me for the actual like return to form that Netflix did with that. So that's worrisome because the final season of that show was incredible. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, a week. Want to go, Jake? Jake, you, you, you want to go? Sure, I can go. Um, I do play video games, hey. so I've been playing Halo and Apex like I do every week. Um, Punching myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, that week of uh, that week of Christmas when. When Alex had some time to play, we got in. We got a lot of good playtime there, and that was pretty fun. Yeah, we had fun. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the randoms. Now that I'm back to randoms, it's like, ugh, take me back. 
take me back way back when. <laughs> um so yeah, I beat um I beat the Pokemon Scarlet DLC um like a week or so ago. I know I texted you guys about that. Yeah. So the uh my little TBR that I have is uh Sonic Origins Plus, Sonic Frontiers, because I got Dang. that for Christmas. And then I just started a first time playthrough of Pokemon Black on the 3DS. And that's been pretty awesome so far. Um, Oh, and then uh, Disco Elysium as well. Like those are those are my my little stack of games. So that's what I've got. Who is my Pokemon roster? Yeah, your current one for the uh, the new. I um, so let's see. I've only done two gyms, so I'm still really early on, but I've got Servine because I, I chose Snivy to start. And then I've got a Panpour and a Pan Sage, uh, a Sandile, a Blitzel, and a Timber. That's who I've got. And you made I, two of those. I'm only going to keep two of them. The others are just placeholders until I find someone else that I want. You guys are going to kill me, but I have like resident Pokemon experts here. And, you know, I'm I'm no Pokemon expert by any means. So when it comes to like what makes these games better than others, is it the story or is it like because each one I know oftentimes change location. Is it location in the roster? Like, can I look? Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I think with black, um, like Heart Gold and Soul Silver are my favorite Pokemon games. But I think, like with black, it added a couple of new features that I thought was really cool. Like there's tall grass where you find Pokemon, but then there's extra tall grass where <laughs> you can double battle wild Pokemon, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, it also does a lot of just camera work that wasn't in previous pokemon games Uh, i think that's pretty cool um and then there's like a ton of features that it talks about that i'm not going to use because this game is not in its prime and those services are not available anymore uh but i'm sure they were cool back when the game was new so for like some of those older ones this is just my opinion but for some of those older ones like like Jake, like Heart Gold, Soul Silver, Black, like Ruby, Sapphire, like those ones are just genu- genuinely good games. So, like, that's why people love them so much. Going forward, though, it, it's nostalgia. Nostalgia is what carries Game Freak to be able to keep making those games. Like, there's like in a world in which Cassette Beasts exists, you're oh, just God. like, there's no reason that Game Freak. A company that has a bazillion dollars can't make a better video game. I don't. It's. But don't you see like what? What's the latest one? Saf- no, uh, purple or something. Scarlet, Scarlet, Scarlet. Scarlet. Okay. So, but with the new ones that come out, like I think, don't you still see like some are better received than others, or is each one literally going down a little bit, down a little bit, a little bit, and they're just coasting on nostalgia? No, I don't think it's no. going down at all. No, they they keep selling the same amount because people are showing up and buying it. Oh. But now, whether or not. If you're asking, like, does the quality of games go down? Yes. Like, they release games in states that they should not be released in. They're improvements, but, but buggy as fuck, yeah. Like, when 
I don't know how Scarlet is now. Jake can probably speak to that since he finished it. But when it launched, it was like there was videos of people being like, here's my game running it under five FPS, like just <laughs> constantly. And you're like, this is if any other game launched like this, it would get ripped apart. But everyone's just like, that. it's all right. It's Pokemon. And I'm not I'm not even talking shit because I am absolutely one of those people. That, Scarlet and Violet are the, is the uh, first one that I didn't buy, but it's before that i was just like yeah i'll buy it who cares yeah it 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 improved a little bit from the beginning but not by much honestly um however the dlc was so much fun that i was like yeah whatever i you know frames are gonna drop every now and then but this is a ton of fun so i'm still really enjoying it the Mm -hmm. only thing i i will say that i don't like is Every game that comes out is easier than the previous one. Really? Um, yes. I mean, like in black, I've spent uh, a couple hours grinding my team to get up to level to to fight the next gym. And you don't have to do that. And the new ones, it's like if mm-hmm. you, wherever you go, you're probably going to one shot whatever is there. So yeah. it is what it well, is. I, I picked up and beat. Uh, I know this isn't the classic traditional Pokemon, but. You know, I always say this wrong, Christian Arceus, Arceus, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, somebody that was, was like, never. Game. That was the first yes. one I picked up in a, in a long time. And I rolled to the end and actually completed it without like much grinding at all. Right. And you're talking to like somebody that doesn't even know Pokemon. And I was able to do that <laughs> in no time. So, but see, I think that one gets a little bit of a pass because everything else about that game was vastly different from any other Pokemon that you've ever played. And I wish I could go back to that, like, playing that game for the first time because i think that game's a master whatever whatever the next pokemon game is is supposed to be that team's game so whatever the next one is should be theirs it'll be interesting to see what they cook up next yeah um other than games i haven't really watched anything um i'm always reading novels and comics um I think this this week a lot of good stuff came out. There was Birds of Prey and Vengeance of Moon Knight and Doctor Strange and Sonic. So um, it was a really good week for comics, even though there wasn't too much out. And then then I've got a novel that I'm reading on my Kindle, uh, a novel I'm reading in physical book form and a novel that I'm listening to on Audible. So. I've got a lot going on. What are are your novels? So I'm reading uh, the second book in the Lies of Locke Lamora, the Gentleman Bastard series. I finished that first one last year and really liked it. Um, Physical book. It's uh, it's called the First Law Trilogy by Joe Abercrombie. Everyone online is talking up that series, and I finally dove into that. And then the Audible book um, is A Court of Thorns and Roses, which is sort of like, yeah, it's like the thing right now. It's like the Twilight or the Harry Potter uh, that everybody's reading. So I jumped on the bandwagon and... I read those because Allie read those, so I had to read them too. I, I was going to ask if she had because it seemed like something that she would enjoy. And yeah. I I think it's fine. Like there, there's some slow parts and some really good parts, but I'm only like five hours into the 15 hour listening time. So we'll see where it goes. But so far, so good. As, 
as a fantasy fan, have you read a uh, King's Dark Tidings series? It's not finished. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really good one. Um, I'm not going to get into it too much here, but check it out. I think it's, I think they just put out, I read it earlier this year, I guess later last year. I think it was book four, maybe. Um, and it's not finished yet, unfortunately, because public publishers are publishers. They're making the author write a side story, like a, you know, the greater universe story before he can contractually go back and finish the King's Dark Tiding, which is kind of lame. But you like fantasy. It's a good one to check out. It's got a lot of high fantasy. There's a lot of lore to the world. Um, it's good. I'll add it to my list. That's it for me. Yeah. So for me, um, I. I'm trying to think. So I play. I have two games I'm playing right now. I'm playing uh, Warhammer 40K Rogue Trader um and for those who don't know uh the easy sell on it is that it's basically like warhammer 40k's version of Baldur's gate 3 um so if you're into the universe of Baldur's gate at all they do the same it's a crpg so it has a massive amount of story um you know tons of lore it does everything that you would want it to do um but uh all you know decisions things the the main point of it is that um you're not because i guess i i don't know i'm not like a huge warhammer has always been this thing that like i have always admired by how cool it looks but i've never actually been able to like break into it at all and so uh, i guess all of the factions in that universe are very like siloed like they do not interact with each other that much at all but the rogue trader is essentially like a pirate that like for the good of the empire or the god emperor or whatever is able to like go and do things with other civilizations as long as it means that they bring something back that like benefits the the greater empire i guess so far it's been really cool the main the only thing that i'll say is if you're going in uh, like when i first picked it up it was people selling it as like warhammer Baldur's Gate 3 which I was super into um I would say that it's closer to all of Larian's other games and not Baldur's Gate 3 specifically because Baldur's Gate 3 like does a focus on story by like you know like when you're talking to somebody like giving you like the old like Bioware view like you know two people talking to each other kind of thing whereas all of their other games were all still top down while you're still talking to somebody and like a text box shows up and it's voice acting the whole thing that's what this is so it's closer to all of the older crpgs as opposed to Baldur's Gate 3 but the storytelling is still at the same level so far um and then the other other thing that i've played is uh so a massive update went out to a game that i had tried a little while ago and i didn't like very much um and they fixed all of my problems with it so i went back and tried it so i've been playing lies of p uh which is basically like pinocchio bloodborne um and it's very good now and maybe we'll have more to say about that later uh as far as a topic is concerned for our half of the thing um but yeah so i've been playing that i'm like i don't know like three or four hours into it it's been very good so far that's it and then i obviously read the book that we're all here to talk about he saw something else too he did watch a movie a movie he only seen for the first time oh i did yeah so uh our baby boy Preston turned 21 this weekend and um, we, he was during 
I don't remember when it was. It was a couple of weeks ago now. But at some point, I just casually mentioned to him that I had never seen Ghostbusters before. I'd always seen parts of it, but I'd never seen like the full movie. And I, wow. he was offended. He was mad at me. Uh, and so for his birthday, he was like, all I want to do is get dinner and watch Ghostbusters. And I was like, all right, let's let it rip, dude. So we did that. It was a good movie. Totally held up. It was, about it was the good one with movie. the girls, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It you guys should have told uh, me you were doing that because Allie has only seen the second one. She's never seen the first one. And I would have totally in spirit watched it on the same night rather than doing what we were going to do, which is go out to our remember the sixth rally. So we would have totally just watched that instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God, I totally forgot. That I'm trying that to get day. people to forget. Man, no. OK, first of all, I didn't that I didn't forget about that event. I forgot that. <laughs> for whatever i forgot the whole story of the day that happened alex and i are talking about it and we're like you know this is fucking crazy blah blah, blah. and preston goes i'm just so mad this is gonna overshadow <laughs> my birthday and I remember Fuck alex and i were like that's not really the thing i don't know if we want to be taken away from today but, that's... <laughs> but yeah no the movie totally held up uh all the practical effects were like still the only thing that you ever notice when you're like woof that's is when they needed some of the ghosts to like, you know, not be practical effects anymore and be CG and move. So, it was a little rough, but I'm pretty sure that's not still CG. I'm pretty sure that's like them, like just like uh, using like mu- my puppets or like some type of stop motion and then like just putting it into the mirror. That's why you see that weird like line around it almost that kind of transposes into it. But like when the dog is running like in the streets and stuff like that, you can kind of see like when you're running, running out of a hotel, for example. Uh, one of the the Zool dogs, and uh, he, he goes to dogs. He comes out of the thing, and you like, you can tell that wasn't there when they filmed it, and it's definitely not CG. But I could be wrong, but I know around that time is when they started to try to use CG. I forget when what year Tron came out, but it, it, a lot of movies back then didn't really use a whole lot of CG. Uh, like for example, the uh, the Ghostbusters like streams, like those yeah. are like hand animated. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Well, I don't know how many of you guys have been to like uh, Disney World and been on like the haunted mansion but there's one room where you're above a dance hall and you see ghosts dancing and what they've done is they have like mannequins below where you can't see and they're using lighting and mirrors to make them appear with the glass like i guess the mirror reflecting off the glass anyway i think they did some of that too right so you get that like transparent look but it's practical i guess whatever whatever that was whatever it was they did was the only part of the movie that you're like wolf that doesn't look very good but Everything else was good. Other than that, it was perfect. It looked great. It was a good movie. Good. Good. You're a man well, now. Yeah. You're Thank man. you. If you if that's everything. <laughs> I say if that if that's everything, then uh Jake, I think you can take us through uh what we all read together. Oh sure. So we all read. I think we've said the full title like three times now, but it's mm-hmm. Uncle Scrooge and Donald Duck in Les Miserables and War in Peace by Giovanni Battista Carpi. Um, pretty nice hardcover. It's uh, there's the cover. If we got any watchers, extremely um, nice. Yeah, the pages nice are thick too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really nice quality. So many times. <laughs> um. You know, I before we get into it, I just want to say in general, 
the art and the colors are just a joy in oh, yeah. this book. So, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I don't want to like, you know, get too far into like, you know, what we liked, blah, blah, blah. But like that is every for every page. I was like, man, this is just a joy to look at. Like it just takes me. It takes you back for one. But then two, like you're just looking and it's like this is just beautifully drawn. Like there's just mm -hmm. no problems with any of this. I agree. One thing I do I, I want to say too is like this is thirty dollars. And if this was a Marvel or a DC like book, they don't make anything this good of quality. Like even the omnibuses that are like the thick, they're not this good of quality. The paper yeah, the pages don't feel as good. And then you'd also be spending like fifty dollars. Like yeah, it's easy. insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they've they put out some doozies for much more money, that's for yeah. sure. <laughs> Apparently, this is like if you're reading on the first couple of pages, too, it's like a big series they've done. Now, there weren't as many like just I don't know what just classics, if you will, like this. But it does seem to be like a, a quite a large series of different stories they've done like this. It has. I, I went and looked up a couple of the others and I don't remember what they were offhand. Nothing like. I don't nothing as crazy as this or like uh, not not crazy, but uh, I don't know. Classic as this, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, not that I'm some, you know, but literary nerd that knows what a classic is. I'm sure that they've done plenty, but nothing that that me, a casual is like, oh, I know what that is. I think it's a shame, though, because I would love to read uncle scrooge's version of all quiet on the western front or something like, crazy <laughs> <shit> like that. <laughs> never say never <clears throat> right <laughs> all right well we can uh we can get into the first half which is les mis and just uh you know let's just go around just a brief before we deep dive uh did you like it casey why don't you start yeah, I mean, it's kind of exactly what I expected, but it's still, you know, it's good quality and just enjoyable. It was a quick read. Yeah, Alex? I, was gonna, I was worried it was going to be a slog. Um, <laughs> yes and no, which I, I think it's a little bit of my uh, expectations letting me down, which is I was hoping, and I don't know why I would expect this, given it's Uncle Scrooge, but like... I was really hoping they would follow uh, Les Mis to completion and we don't, we deviate a bit in the Raising. third act. I, I know, <laughs> I know we deviate a bit in the, in the third chapter. Um, and we'll talk about that as we go through this. Some like some of the things we missed out on. And as we talk about it, I just imagine what we could have seen in this comical art form um, and what we missed out on. So I, I, I did enjoy it for what it was. I was disappointed for what we what we missed. Yeah, because I I've not seen the movie, but I know they shave Anne Hathaway's head. So like, whose feathers would they have plucked out? Anne Anne Hathaway is tragic. I did learn something though about this. I didn't know um, that I always thought Le Miz was like the miserable ones, which you would think like Le Miserable, miserable. It is not actually. It's the wretched ones. So there's there's that, if you will. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll talk about it. I've I've read, watched, heard, listened, seen all versions of Les Mis, so I'll share what I can. All right, Preston. 
Uh, I liked it. I wasn't sure about how good the writing would be. Uh, I've never been into Les Miserables or The War and Peace. But um, <laughs> I was waiting for him to be like Les Miserables. <laughs> uh, I've never read those. Uh, I'm aware that there was a movie made. Um, I'm kind of curious to actually watch the movie now. Um, but I hear it's very musical like and I'm not the base fan of that. So I'll see if it's streaming on something and I'll put it on while I'm playing something on the Steam Deck. There is a non-musical version, if you would like. It was actually a made-for-TV movie quite a long time ago, and it's actually the one I grew up with because it's what they would actually show in school. The musical version, though, is actually very, very good, if you want. Well, I'm sure it is. Yeah, I'll put it on the background. It's fine. That, um, can I just say, that's mind-blowing that a, a school in the middle of Coltown, Virginia, West was Virginia. showing... Uh, excuse me, I apologize. <laughs> uh, they're very different. Um <laughs> uh yeah have you been there they're not anyway and so um i cannot believe that that's what they were showing in your that's wild that's that's because we need to get these kids some culture man so first of all just so listeners know though west virginia is bumpkin we've talked about it on the pod and i've been i've been honest with that we were blue ribbon and we were not in coal town i did not live in coal town that's why i don't that's why i don't sound like i'm from west virginia (laughs) well Travis says otherwise. Travis grew up. Uh, I think Travis grew up technically in Ohio, so he has nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, like, like you guys said, the color and everything like that is pretty good on here. Uh, I looked up. I had to look up a lot of words. Um, I'm, I'm a big dummy. Like I'll, I'll I'll explain myself. I'm a big dummy all the time. But like, there's words that like just aren't used a whole lot nowadays. Like I pulled up one of them, nude. N o o d g e, when she's yelling nuge? at Daisette, a nuge. I've never heard of someone calling someone a nuge. And I looked that up. I'm like, is she being racist as shit right now? I'm like looking. I'm like, okay, no, it's just like, okay. Preston, Preston about- reads it. He goes, he goes, nuge. I don't know this newfangled French. And you Google it. It's like, yeah, what school kids call each other on the playground? <laughs> yeah, I would like, be like, is it is Ted Nugent in this? Is somebody talking the about the nuge? <laughs> um but yeah it's, it's, it's all it's all good it's all fun i liked it enjoyed it nice christian so i guess alex saying that uh it doesn't like it doesn't all the way finish sort of makes mm-hmm. sense i thought it was fine like i, I of the two i liked warm peace a lot better um so that that sort of makes sense i guess that if if, if i was missing things or it wasn't the full story then i guess that kind of explains it not that it was bad by any means i mean like like i'm holding it like i do think it was really fun i liked at the very end when it like cuts to like you know scrooge basically closing the book and looking at the game being like and that's all folks and then like everybody's just like walking home and it's like like it was just like a little story time that they had i really liked that touch um but yeah i thought it was i thought it was fine i did appreciate that like in, in lemis they uh, deal a lot with poverty and classism and other things. And and it, we'll talk about this more, but like, I appreciate the sole basis of like why he was telling the story of like Lemiz as Scrooge was because the tax man was going to up his tax like $5 a month. And he's like, I don't want to pay any more money. So it really had nothing to do with like the poverty piece and it was just like have to keep my monies it's like these <laughs> the things penny pincher. 
I, I know. rather run from the law. <laughs> it it fits the character, doesn't quite fit the 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 goal of the the story though. So right. Well, um, Alex, if you don't mind, since you are, we'll we'll say the the resident expert on the story. Sure. Why, don't you, why don't you just kind of hit some of the highlights of the story and, uh, and maybe some differences or or uh, common things that you yeah. liked? Absolutely. So um, I appreciate the naming convention. So the story of Les Mis centers around quite a few characters. But one of the first ones that you meet and is around the longest is Jean Valjean, who we know as uh, Jean McJean. Right. So Scrooge McDuck taking over the main character's role and what happens is like um, the actual story, Jean Valjean or, or Jean McJean grows up as a poor kid, steals a loaf of bread, ends up getting caught by this really a-hole of a uh, police officer, Javert, which was named the same in the story, and gets put in prison. And uh, Jean McJean says, hey, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm a young kid. The dumb reason to go to prison for stealing a loaf of bread and trying to eat. So he tries to escape many times and he gets caught every time. And he inevitably serves 18 years in prison before he escapes uh, for real. And that was actually the same between Le Mis and uh, and this book. And I thought they did it really well. I just the passing of time and stuff with the again, we talked about the art, like the artwork is incredible. It's really easy to follow the story. Um, but I thought that was really interesting. So when Jean McJean gets out of prison, he uh, runs to a town. I know it's ridiculous. I have to say keep saying it, it gets me every time, man. It, it was really funny. Um, but when he does escape, he goes to a uh, I'm trying to think of the way they did this first. He goes to a local town and he really kind of becomes friends with a bishop who gives him some candlesticks. Like, essentially, he's he's friends with the bishop, and he's like, my old ways are taking over. I'm going to steal all the silver in this guy's house. And he does, and he leaves, and he gets caught by the local police again. They take him back to the bishop's house, and the bishop says, hey um, – he didn't steal that. I gave everything to him. In fact, he forgot these two candlesticks. So he gives him the two candlesticks and the police are like, okay, well, let's let him go. And Sean McJohn is so happy that the bishop did this. He's like, I am going to turn my life around. I'm no longer just going to thief. I'm going to be a good person and look out for the poor people. That all is still true. Like in Les Mis, that's exactly what happens in the whole thing. Now, as this is happening, um, we are introduced, and forgive me if anybody speaks French, I'm going to butcher names, but uh, the... the It's just Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Not yet. We're not there yet. The Thinar, the Thinardiers, the Thinardiers, and they are criminals that own a pub. And in this pub, um, they essentially regale people of stories about the war with Napoleon and then they rob them, which they plan on doing to Jean McJean. And there's a little uh, orphan who's been taken in by this family named Desette. In Les Mis, her name is Cosette. So they, you know, made it pretty Easy. good there. 
Um, and she says, Hey, don't go to sleep. Don't eat their food. They're going to knock you out. They're going to steal all of your stuff. And he was like, Hey, I have this fortune. Oh my gosh. Thank you for telling me. So Jean McJohn and Dezette escape in the night and they make their way to another town where, um, he uses his money to start up a glass factory and really becomes so beloved, taking care of the poor. He becomes mayor again. All of this holds completely true to La Miz, which is uh, kind of bonks. There's some other back stuff with the thin RDAs that I'm not going to get into. I will tell you how their story ends, the part that we missed out on, which is really good. But they're just some really terrible people. Um, and in La Miz, their story crosses with everybody a bunch. So like this story, they do leave and they go to Paris for different reasons, though. They have three kids. Um, one of their kids is the Anne Hathaway character that you guys know shaves her head. And we'll talk about that in a bit, too. Um, but they are very intertwined with Lim is. So I think that kind of brings us to the end of, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'll say this, and this brings us to the end, I think, of chapter one. So as he is mayor of the town, Javert has always been angry that he's never been able to catch Jean McJohn from escaping. And he was like, hey, I'm going to go travel the countryside to try and find him. He runs into this person with a different name in this town as mayor. And he goes, you remind me of somebody. And this is where things diverge a little bit. So essentially, Jean-Nicjohn is like, I can't be here anymore. I got to leave. And, and he and Cosette, uh, or sorry, Desette flee to Paris. What happens in Le Mis, uh, similar but different, he, Javert is going to arrest somebody else for thievery and to save this poor person, this poor character. Jean Valjean comes out and says, Javert, it's me you've been looking for. Imprison me. And before he can be imprisoned, they escape to Paris. So there's a little divergence there. But that brings us to the end of chapter one. Essentially, that's the story of how they get to Paris. And really, the main characters we're going to follow, Jean-Michel, Desette, the Thénardiers, um, which are in it, and then Javert. So I'll pause here, like we do our book clubs. And Jake, I'll pass it back over to you and kind of get your all your takes on the first chapter. Yeah. Um, well, that was a much better uh, leading of the book club than I could have done. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, really, I don't have too much to comment on on this first chapter, but I do want to say. I love the language, like the the Disney-fied language that they use, mm -hmm. you know, like that's what I was going to say. Pete's character, you know, just talks like he normally would and i think that's mm -hmm. just funny um also it kills me how horses are portrayed in these disney comics and old cartoons because they just I'll say look more about so that dumb in peace. they look so dumb like limbs are going everywhere they're so over exaggerated it just it cracks me up um but that's uh that's pretty much it for me on this first chapter if somebody else would like to comment no, yeah, I, I totally agree. <clears throat> I have the same thing, except I actually hate, like, I love the over-exaggerated sort of animation style and drawing that they did back then. Like, that's why I think, like, you know, not to bring it back to video, but, like, Cuphead is such a cool thing. It's, like, because of just the way they draw that stuff. Like, I think that's why it works so well. Um, it holds up. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's oh, I would say, it's more than holds it's just, like, timeless. Like, you just never get bored. I never get bored looking at any of this stuff. Um and yeah, that was, uh, it, I think 
the language thing of them sort of disnifying sort of all the different pieces, like not that it was a hard read to begin with, but it was like, it makes it more approachable in a way that's like, Oh, it's more fun to read this because now as I'm going through and getting, meeting new characters, I'm like, Oh man, I can't wait to see how, you know, blank character is going to be betrayed by whoever, like, and how they're going to do it. So yeah, I, I thought it worked. It, it's, it, it was great. Anyone else? Okay. Um, So in chapter two, we've made our way to Paris, where um, all of our characters converge in Paris. So the Thenardiers and Javert. Um, The reason the Thenardiers come is because in this story, which is unique to this one and and how they got their characters to converge, um, the candlesticks were actually Napoleon's prized candlesticks. Nobody knows why, but uh, I guess we learned it later, but Essentially, the the, the Thenardiers were he was in the war. Napoleon's treasurer was taking the horse and the treasure hoard away, wrecks it. They steal the candlesticks. Then to get money, he pawns the candlesticks. The pawn owner sells those candlesticks to the um bishop, and then that's like how they end up with Jean McJean. But the treasurer says, Hey. I want my candlesticks back. So then they go on this um, tour to Paris to try and get the candlesticks back from Jean Mergeon. When we're there, um, we're introduced to another character, and I forget what they call him. Is it Donald? Is it Donaldus Duck Mercy? Yeah. Yeah. So we're introduced to Donaldus Duck Mercy, who is a big character in Le Mis. Um, I believe it's M- Marius. Uh, Goodness, I'm gonna uh Pont Mercy is what it is. And essentially, that is the love interest of Desette. And he comes from a poor family. She is obviously rich, so it's this like troubled love because rich versus poor. Um, and Jean McJohn hates him because he's a poet and he can't provide for himself. Um, but that is the main love interest here in Love Story. We're also introduced to Hugh Rocher, Duve Rocher, and Lou Rocher, which are Huey, Dewey, and Louie. I love how they did that. They're actually uh, three people that represent one character, uh, Gavrochet. And Gavrochet is the best friend of um, Marius Pontmercy or Donaldus Duck Mercy, and they are young students. Um, not happy with the way young people have been treated in Paris. They go on to lead a small revolt against the Parisian government that leads to a massacre. Um, that was not part of the story. Again, I wish one of those, <laughs> what, there are some things after we can talk about chapter three, there are some things that like, I wish were in this and we're absolutely not. Um, so we'll kind of cover both chapters two and three because they go they're they're kind of quick ones with the love story to get the candlesticks back um Thenardier and the treasurer partner up with an underground sewer gang and they're like let's kidnap Desette they kidnap Desette and they tell um everybody else Jean McJohn and 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 Duck Mercy and everyone say hey if you want her back give us the candlesticks and essentially that's what they do but they find that these candlesticks are not only prized napoleon candlesticks but they lead to they're the answers or keys to a puzzle 
that leads to Charlemagne's lost treasure. Um, this is definitely not in Les Mis. So they go through the sewers where uh, Daisette is. They try and rescue her. They also find out that Charlemagne's lost treasure is down there. But oh no, what's going to happen? Javert has crafted a plan, which is we're going to flood these sewers and we're going to run these people out of the pipes like rats and we're going to arrest them all as they come out. And uh, that is the plan. But while everybody else runs out and gets arrested, the heroes uh, find some of the treasure and then kind of lose some of the treasure. Um, and when they come out, Javert is happy, I guess, with how he helped him catch bad guys. And they were trying to rescue Dezette and doing things for the right reason that he says, you know what, John McJohn, I'm done with uh, chasing you. You're a free man. And that is our story of Les Mis told by Uncle Scrooge. <laughs> so one Just thing incredible. I, one thing that I uh, I took note of here the Beagle Meniers. Beagle Boys. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> They're having a meeting. And there's a big sign that says Big Fat Meeting of Beagle Meniers, Inc. And then they try to spell itinerary and we get itin, itinera, and they scratch An out both of them and write agenda. And that <laughs> really tickled me. Like I laughed out loud. Yeah. I noticed Super that funny. too. It's very good. Good jokes. Good jokes in this book. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. here, here's what I'll say about, like, I thought the story as a whole was handled well, right? Um, and clearly they did what they needed to do for the type of story and audience they had. But let me just give you a couple of things that, like, happen in Les Mis and tell me how much better this book could have been. So really quick, um, one of the first ones is uh, Marius has this really good female friend and um, whose name I am, of course, going to forget unless I happen to write it down, um, which I don't. Oh, uh, Eponine. So he has this really good female friend, Eponine. She loves Marius, but Marius loves Cassette, right? Now, what happens is people are, are trying to steal Marius's uh, or Cosette's money from her family, much like they're trying to do in this one. They're trying to get Scrooge McDuck's money. Um, but she essentially stops her family and the Thenardiers from stealing that money. So they cast her out. So she has nowhere to go. That is Anne Hathaway's character, how she ends up in like the streets prostituting herself and eventually sells teeth like that. She pulls her teeth out and sells teeth. And she ends up, the way she ends up dying is um, during this revolt that uh, uh and Marius are having with all these students she tricks him into going and she tricks him into going because she wants him to die but she knows she's about to die from like exposure and starvation so she wants to be there die with him and die before him and profess her love so they die together um, unfortunately she also ends up saving him at the revolt she dies literally everyone else dies and he's the only one that survives so that's like one thing that happens. The other thing I see why so, they left that out. Thank you. I was going to yeah, say, yeah. I was like, I'm not after you, he's describing this. I'm like, 
all of this sounds like something that Disney would look at and go, yeah, you try to put that in, we're canceling this whole fucking book. <laughs> yeah, so um, what ha- then from there is uh, Jean Valjean, Jean McJohn, uh, finds Marius, who's been knocked out at the revolt, but not dead. He, he, he picks him up and he carries him through the sewer. So the sewers piece is kind of there, um, but uh, Javert is waiting for them as they come out of the sewers. So when he comes out of the sewers, essentially Jean Valjean tells Javert, he's like, look, you've got me. I, I can't run anymore. This is everything's going on. He's like, but this kid's going to die. Let me get him help and I will turn myself in in three days. Like, I promise this is where I'm going. I'll turn myself in. And Javert is like, I see what you're doing. You're doing this for the right reason. That's fine. Like, come turn yourself in. You're old. I, whatever. So after Jean Valjean leaves, right then and there, like on this bridge, when he comes out of the sewer, Javert has this big struggle between like morality and duty. And he's like, he's doing the right thing, but I have this duty of this criminal and I've lived this whole life chasing him down so on. And he can't process it. So he throws himself into the sin, into the river, and he drowns. So he just commits suicide on that. Um, And then... Of course they didn't have them throw right. a duck off a bridge and drown and die sure sure he was a crow um but then um so Cosette and and uh marius they actually fall out of favor with jean valjean i guess the other way around because they find out that jean valjean was a lifelong criminal and they kind of banish him um towards the end they make amends and he tells Cosette about her mom and and how he did everything for them and like he ends up dying like in front of them so on but the last thing is this thin rdas they do actually get a little bit of money the criminals that they are and they flee to america and when they flee to america they become slave traders so there you go everybody now there that we- is something that disney totally <laughs> could have included <laughs> I'm, you know, they were all about that. So now that's that's why I say, like, I think I really enjoyed this for what it was, but I was let down by my own expectations, and I don't know why I expected to cover the yeah, gamut of Le Mis, but I was very excited to read like Le Mis with this like fun animation. So I don't, I was just, I was let down because I, I, you know, I was Look at like, this cutesy drawing of somebody drowning. That's if we're gonna do it, let's do it, man. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's a very important work from French literature. If we're going to do it, let's do it. So that was Lemis. Real quick. So uh, the Beagle Minettes, the Beagle Boys. Mm-hmm. I have very vivid recollection of the oldest nightmare I've ever had. When I was like four, three, four, five, somewhere around there. I remember the house I was living in. So it's around that era. I had a nightmare of the Beagle Boys chasing after me with the striped shirts, like green hat, <laughs> everything like that. Like I had a nightmare of that and stuck with me ever since. And I saw it, I'm like, those fuckers. I haven't seen these guys in forever. Oh fuck. And Preston hasn't slept in three days. I calmly closed the book and I have made a therapy appointment. So I'm gonna be <laughs> donating this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that was funny. That's great. All right. Any other any other comments on this one? One of my favorite things to do is every time Donald, like you were doing the Donaldist character reading his parts, I would read it like Donald with the, the voice like yeah. that. And instead, it made it a lot more fun. Yeah, Scrooge uh, do a Scottish so voice. A, yeah, I, I can't do a Scottish like, voice. Jesus. In my head, because I'm so Scrooge. familiar with like a lot of these characters, and you know, you had obviously like 
all the cartoons and games that Scrooge and Huey Dewey have been in and all that stuff. So uh, they all have like when I was reading through, if they were on the page, there though that was definitely the voices that I was using. Voices, and so it yeah. definitely entertained me more going through some of this story for sure. It it was interesting that like the only one they tried to make French was Javert, like yeah, the sheriff. The and I don't recall that crow being French. And I'm trying to like find scenes because I know when they're talking about the plan. No, but just because yeah, they wrote they wrote him blasted commissary. Um, you're right; those rogues are everywhere, and the sweepers keep them safe. Like, so I think they wrote them like that because, and this correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe those crows back in the day were overtly racist, and so <laughs> it was probably easier just to make them French instead of, you know, basically like trying to pretend to be African voices of those crows. Yeah. Yeah. They, did, they didn't want the voice in your head as you were reading it. So they're yeah. like, we'll purposely write like yeah. the accent. Okay. One Which thing honestly could save. One thing I'll say before we move on to War and Peace. Maybe it's just me, but I don't know if I would like to see this actually animated. I don't think it would hit as well as what this comic did. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, I, I can see that. I could still see it being really good, though, because have you seen the uh, uh, Christmas Carol that they did? Mm-hmm. That, that one's like, pretty good. That yeah. one's good. So like, I could see them actually making it good. Right. It, it would, you would have Back to make then. it faster, like speed up the pacing. But the uh, the third chapter, I think, would be great with the chase scene across the rooftop of Paris and then like the, the rescue and the sewers. I think it would be fantastic. Yeah. They really do pull out all the stops in a lot of these drawings, though. Like they, they every panel they sell so well. It, it is incredibly well done. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I just I love all the cross hatching and stuff like that for shooting. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I also just think it's funny how quick uh, Donald and Daisy fall in love in both stories. It's like y'all just met and you're already. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This is it. I'm kind of on Scrooge's side here. <laughs> they're just they're just dumb kids. Uh, yeah. You know, she she hears him doing reciting poetry and singing, and uh, that's what you get with like horny sixteen year olds. Yeah, but with that voice, come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then I guess we can move on to War and Peace. Alex, I'm I'm gonna hand it back. You're you're knocking it out of the park. Okay, well, the problem here is I did not write down names, but that's fine. Um, because the, the Russian names are harder. And uh, I think, again, I haven't read War and Peace. War and Peace has like, this is no it's exaggeration. Like, it's like 600 it, characters. Yeah, it's like 500 characters or something in it. Um, but I also believe... Um, it's like 1,200 Anastasia, pages long. Anastasia Romanov and people are in it. And I think by some of the names, like they allude to the Romanovs but they're yeah. not straight up the Romanovs. So we'll just use Scrooge and uh, Donald and stuff. We'll tell the story. So um, but Mick Duxikov is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I think Mick Duxikov. I think they yeah. get close to Anis with. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's for Daisy. It's that's why I, I knew it was Ducktasia Rosta Rostov. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be like a Rostova. Romanov thing. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Rostova. Yeah. So anyway, I didn't make notes on this one because I had read it. So um, with this, we are we are in we are later in French and Russian history. We are at the height of the czars. 
and um, Russia is in a bit of turmoil where they have the rich with a ton of wealth and the poor who are very, very poor, and they, they keep taxing the poor and giving money to the czars. So they're on the verge of their own revolt. And during this time, Napoleon thinks it would be a great opportunity to capture more land for his, uh, Im his empire. So he decides to go take Moscow. And that's what we have here. Now, uh, Scrooge McDuck is a very wealthy man in this czarist Russia with a uh, yeah, just, just, play back what you just said. <laughs> it's just funny. Sorry. Sorry. It's funny. He's Go a ahead. very wealthy man in this in the czarist Russia. Yeah. Uncle Scrooge. Yeah. Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't know the right word for his his nephew. I, I, it's not like he's not destitute, but he um is living off the money of his uncle and he is uh kind of a loser and he he likes to sleep around he likes to have fun at the nights go out with the boys every day is saturday and saturdays for the boys sort of thing right and with war on their doorstep scrooge calls him back and to the house and says hey uh we need to hide this wealth before the russian government comes in and takes this money and uses it to fund everything they need to do for this war, essentially leaving the czar to their own. Really quick. Um, I just want to say, yeah. it's like, there's a thought that I can't get out of my head. The way you're describing Scrooge and then uh, Donald Duck's like character, whatever. It's so funny to me that you're basically like, you tried really hard for Scrooge. You're like, yeah, so I'm painting a picture of him basically being a czar in Russia. And then for his nephew, you're like, and he's basically a character from the Jersey Shore. So just <laughs> picture that and move on. <laughs> I mean, it's not far off. It's not far off. While he's home, Scrooge is like, you're going to have to get married. And Donald's like, I I'm too much of a player, son. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I can't, you can't son. marry me off right now. And Scrooge says, we're going to go to a ball. You're going to introduce yourself to, um, let me get, what'd you say? What'd we say? Duck, Duck, Duck Tasha, Duck Tasha. It's Tasha. Duck Tasha Rostova. And uh, you're going to say, hey, I want to marry you because her family is wealthy oh, is. and I am wealthy and we are going to have immense wealth. We are going to start to unify the money here in so, Russia. I'm sorry, but I have to correct you. Uh, yeah. Tasia is is later. This one is is Helen Quackerina. Oh, you're right. Helen Quackerina is first. Thank you. Uh, or you're right. Wrong wrong page. Old, but yeah, uh, I'm looking at the right page. She's on the left. Helen Quackerina, um, which is the better name. So he goes and look, he he doesn't. I actually had a problem with this. And again, I haven't read War and Peace. Maybe this is how the characters handle it. I'm sure it is because Limiz was pretty close. He goes and proposes or, or goes on a couple of dates, essentially, with uh, Helen Quackerina and she is all into it. He says she has a terrible attitude. I know before I even go ask her, like I hear she's hard to deal with. And from everything we see on the page, she seems very sweet and very in love. And he seems to be kind of the a-hole, which we've kind of talked about. So I get, um, but I feel like he didn't give her a good shake of things. And it wasn't, it wasn't until he was like, I'm not going to marry you and you're a terrible singer and so on that then she turns kind of like cold and bitchy she went but a little extra crazy sauce right at the very front start like oh we're getting amazing i didn't say anything about marriage 
She's like, oh, I'm in love with you. He's like, I just met you. Like, it's she's she's taking about, the crazy. You're pills. talking about I 19th love... century Russia. That's how people got married. It's you're wealthy, I'm wealthy. Let's bang. Like, I don't understand the problem here. Derude Sandstorm is playing at this ball that we're at. And I'm a... <laughs> I I love the uh, I love the debate on this Uncle Scrooge War and Peace already. I know. I will say the one thing Presses they don't here like, peace. Look, I'm just saying Quackery is kind of a bitch. All of the panels, all the panels in War and Peace have so much more going on. There's more yes, characters, there's more stuff. Yep. So I will say, like, they absolutely nailed the, the costumes are stuff. so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie, Preston, you can back me up here. Helene Quackarina, especially on page 128 when they're at the dance. She looks pretty good. She's stacked. Let's say it. She's stacked. She looks good. She looks good. I love that you looked. I love that you looked for Preston. Preston will back me up as the resident uh, <laughs> resident expert here. She she's got it going on. Absolutely. Preston, Preston and I agree. We we agree a lot of times. I just you yeah. know you give him crap and I just stay quiet. But we typically agree. So Jude, that the most just the that's the biggest you've told so many lies, and that is the <laughs> biggest one you've ever told. Say he's been quiet. Stay quiet. Um so anyway, they it does not work out with Helene Quackarina. And um essentially Scrooge says, look, Donald, I told you you need to get married. If you don't get married, you're going to have to go work in the, uh, not the mines, but at the the mill, essentially metalworking and other stuff in Siberia. It's a metalworking plant. Yeah, Metalworking. And uh, he does. And he goes and he makes cannonballs for the war. And this is when things get really bad. He finally goes back to Scrooge and Scrooge says, look, I've come up with a plan to hide this wealth. With your knowledge and ability to make cannonballs, we're going to hide all of my gold in these cannonballs, and then we're going to ship them up to our mountain house. Um, however, things don't quite go to plan because the army, the Russian army, is on their doorstep, and they are at that metal facility, metalworking facility, and they say, "Hey, we see all of these cannonballs. Let's get them to the front lines." And and Donald being the uh, dotard that he is just being lazy around the house. He told Scrooge he would take care of it. He did not take care of it. And they disappear right under his nose. They head to the front lines and uh, he doesn't do anything about it until Scrooge comes back, freaks out and says, get my money back. Somebody's going to die in here tonight. It's not going to be me. Real quick. I just want to point out the czar cannon 1569. That, Dude, shows that up. got me so hard. Like, it was fucking it's giant. I think it's almost as big as a door, bigger than the door. Yeah. It pulls up. It's huge. Like Jesus fucking Christ. It's so funny. It, it is. It is good. And it's not the only time it's used, right? It's used later when the, uh, there is a gang, the, the side shenanigans going on. There is an escaped group of convicts that uh, are also coming to steal Scrooge's wealth. And they also go to the door as like inspectors and are just met with that cannon right to the face, which is pretty fantastic. So also, can we say, by the way, um, if you hop to page 144, which is where they see the cannon, um, the illustrations of just the Russians are ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous yeah. with like these hugely long beards punch stomachs like the the hats they're wearing doing the it's dance insane. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it is so insane. Um, but it's okay to make fun of Russia, apparently. So no big deal. No hard, no foul. <laughs> <laughs> they have a couple of things coming, all right? That that yeah, that's fair. That's fair. If you don't want to be made fun of, don't start a war in Ukraine. Um, so <laughs> Anyway, we're back to we're back to this where the cannonballs have been stolen. They make their way to the front line. And honestly, I'll call out one thing before we get to the front line. But along the way, this is where Donald actually falls in love on his way to the front line. He stops over and he meets. Um, This was the one. This is the Anastasia. Tasha Rostova. Rostova. And not just him, his horse as well. (laughs) <laughs> that's so that's what i wanted that's what i wanted to call out um so donald falls in love but as does his horse who falls in love and there is a scene um and it might be before that actually we've seen the horse probably 155 i guess it's where he the, the horse sees the, uh, the female horse and it's like yeah. stopped dead the tracks yeah there, there's two things this horse does so on page 155, when he sees like the love, uh, like his horse love, the animation is insane. The illustration is insane where he's like now personified with his front legs, his arms <laughs> and his back legs. He's like running and like jumping in the air. But before we even get there, and I'm not going to find the page, the horse is daydreaming being lazy. And he's as he's pulling these heavy cannons, he's daydreaming of being on a beach on his back on a on a beach chair being served by like this busty blonde (laughs) and i just want to know like what is this horse human relationship like in order to have these thoughts this horse had to have taken a beach vacation in russia and he had to have had a type which is apparently like 1960s bombshell right i i think Alex, that there is a little show that Preston has watched that I think would be able to give you the insight on this crazy love thing that you found. And I bet you, you would be able to more understand the logic of everything if you had watched Beastars like Preston has. (laughs) The page is 126, top left corner. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you for finding that, Jake. Um, Just, I, I saw this. And it's the one thing in this book that's kind of like out of time, right? With everything else going on. So it stood out to me, but it just made me think like, what, what's this horse doing in his free time? What's what's going on? What are we trying to say here? He screwed his horse. You know, you don't know what screwed like guys with money are into. So the, apparently, apparently this horse, this horse fucks is what we're saying. <laughs> he, he could have been on Epstein's Island. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> There's Dude, there's a one... sailboat in the background. Like what? It's just so See? out of time with the rest of the story. Uh, one thing I think is funny, like the only like one of the few like classic things in Russia that I know about is Rasputin, and the horse's name is Rasputin, mm-hmm. and like yes, Rasputin. Yeah. Like, the thing, like big thing to know about him is yeah, big old wiener, and he was horny. <laughs> this horse is hung <laughs> like a horse, and it wants to fuck. <laughs> So, so, so we're just saying appreciate fucks. That's yeah. The attention honestly, to detail. That, I was gonna say that is a that is a callback that you know they did on purpose, and I'll give it to them. Like that's slam dunk for that one. Slam dunk, absolutely. I don't know about you all. I actually found myself more interested in the horse relationship than the Donald relationship because he had a good woman and he let it go. But man, this horse falls head over heels nearly literally 
for love and can at first play sight. guitar Both how cool them. is that yeah yeah donald has guitar played to him yeah. no no this horse is playing <laughs> guitar to his female love very well done i mean it very probably well. sounds like shit with just hooves but still it's, it's pretty cool <laughs> it's just <laughs> clanking yeah. clanking on the chords and everything so they leave they they, they have to tear themselves away uh, from these late young ladies to go to the front lines to get the gold filled cannonballs back. Um, and essentially they're, we don't have to go through all the shenanigans, but like they think they get them back. And then uh, so they actually were used in the battle and they're being fired at the French. So then they have to go to the French side and get them. Yeah. Sorry, Christian. All no, I, say I just want to say during yeah. that part, that, the panel during the part that you're describing, I just before we move on, page 163 and 162. That panel, I spent so long just looking at it and just like observing everything that was on it because it's so, so well done. Like it is mind blowing how much detail is in there. Like even the dumps, like there's little things that you can notice in between all the soldiers and stuff, right? And they have, you know, even a lot of the background stuff that's a slot, you know, really well done. <laughs> yes but then you have the horse that we've been taught that alex has been really uh head over heels for and he is like he has the whole like the cannon hit him and he's like making a joke only to the readers like my boss is bonkers and you're like <laughs> what is happening here it's so well done i this whole pay or both these pages like the one giant panel i it was it's awesome this they did something in War and Peace that they don't do in Limbez too. Um, on that same panel, one sixty three, and the one before it, they have uh, illustrations along the bottom, like the French musket model seventeen seventy seven, a favorite in the Napoleonic Wars, and then uh, yeah, the Cossack switching sides and stuff. I love those little animations that like try and add a little bit of like realism to the historical fiction that we have here, um, and they do it throughout this one, and it's just. War yeah, and my peace favorite was is uh, absolutely sixty. Stunning. Yeah, my favorite was like one sixty eight and one sixty nine because they do that the before and after of a soldier. So like the brave um, hussar before the battle, it shows him all like in his uniform, and then after it yep. shows him like yeah, pretty much his underwear. And like, dude, look at the pecs on this guy. Like, look at him in the uniform, and all of a sudden his uniform comes off, and it's like he's been sucking those bad boys in because look at the titties on this guy. Like, it's like huge. <laughs> this is that's the panel suppressed in one sixty eight and sixty nine. This is the panel. This is the second of my favorite panels between yeah, what Christian just said and 6263, but this is uh, Red Square completely in flames, and you're watching the French march on Moscow, and to your point, they have like the illustrations of the soldiers and, and the czars like before and after Napoleon, before and after and stuff, but then the bottom, they have the Muscovites, so all the wealthy mm -hmm. people fleeing um which is just like the wealthy class, which is just, it is an incredible illustration. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved it. Um, so yes, as I just said, Donald goes to the French side of the battle and he is literally catching cannon balls with a net. And what I loved about that scene is that it goes back to the very first panel of this whole story where he is trying to catch him with a net and the guy's like, what in the world are you doing? And it's almost like a freeze frame where he's like, well, let me tell you how I got in this situation. Mm. And then you do everything that leads to it. Um, So yeah, go to France. He ends up getting, uh, he gets imprisoned. 
he gets out of prison with some help and they end up getting the uh cannonballs back and taking them or i'm sorry the cannonballs were already gotten by his by scrooge taken to the mountains right i'm forgetting what happened yeah 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 no 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 no. i'm sorry yeah scrooge has gone to the scrooge has gone to the mountains that's what it was oh and to save the day his friend was uh Uh, plato i think plato yeah 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 he's like Mm -hmm. has a beard no mustache guy yeah Plato is there, but then uh, what was it? Daisus. Goodness, I'm going to forget her name. Duck Tasha. Whatever name. Duck Tasha. Yeah. And the nice little cute little ensemble there. I like her hat. Her hat's very cute. Yeah. Hat. Mm-hmm. They they essentially come up with a plan where they are going to bring a uh, food truck, a fast yep. food truck or yeah, yeah, wagon, yeah. to the French, and as they're feeding them, they're going to steal all the gold cannonballs, and they're essentially going to take the food out of the food truck, put the cannonballs in, leaving with the same weight they brought in. Um, so nobody will be the wiser Real and quick. that's how they get the money back. Yeah. The other, uh, the other bookmark I placed was on page 174 with the food truck because I was dying laughing at mm. cuckoo cola. I thought that was <laughs> yeah. so fucking funny. Mm. Yes. Yeah. There was a part just I, before that too, where the, they're shooting like the, they're on the French side with the cannonballs and Donald Duck is like telling his horse, like, hey, ignore the fr- uh, th- these are the French cannonballs, so you can go ahead and ignore them. And his horse is like, I'm calling the World Wildlife Federation on you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> dude, that was so funny. And even even I, when he's like, uh, you know, I need you to take this letter back to the farm and don't stop for anything. And he's like, fucking try to stop me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were uh, there were two pieces of detail that I really liked in the food truck. So one was the pomfrites, frites, right? Cause they wouldn't be burgers mm-hmm. and French fries for an American audience, but they made them mm-hmm. pomfrites. frites. But the other one, it's just the name. It's the Earl of sandwiches. Yeah. Instead yeah. of the Earl of sandwich, <laughs> which is so good when yeah. I was reading that. Yeah. They, I, I, I honestly liked everything about the way they handled war and peace better from the illustration to the story and everything was like a fucking 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. on this thing. Um, the last piece there, I guess, as they are getting the cannonballs back to Scrooge in the mountains, um, that band of criminals catches up to them. They form a plan to essentially uh, trip all their horses up by the classic tie a rope around two trees gag. And they let the ho- the horses run off. So what do they do? They tie these criminals up and use manual labor to walk this huge wagon back to the mountains, which I feel like is probably yeah. a humanitarian violation. Hell yeah! And, and then to go with them, and then to go one further, they put them in the Zarkan in 1569, and they shoot them back to Siberia. But there was one where they on fucking here. belong. <laughs> on 180 on 181 so they're like uh they say don't don't fret you'll be back in siberia in no time and they're like you know we'll be back as they're putting him in they're like you can't just shoot us out of a cannon and there's just a little writer's note that says historians note that the first orbital flights were crude just yeah. like flying <laughs> through the air that's that's a good touch um yeah. so that is war and peace um, I know we kind of talked about it throughout, but yeah, thoughts on War and Peace, which I thought was just knocking yeah. out of the park. So I think the reason that I think I liked it more was 
because I, I, the only thing I knew about War and Peace was like something's like it has upwards of 500, it's like 570, I think I looked at the front of the book. It's like 570 characters and it's like 1200 pages long. So I knew going in, I was like, okay, this is clearly going to be like a Cliff's Notes version of the story. Whereas for Lay Miz, I literally had no idea. I had no knowledge of it whatsoever. I know my knowledge of Lay Miz was that there is a thing out there called Lay Miz and that's it. I, you know. <laughs> There's nothing else. So for this one, because I knew, I guess, a little bit more going in, I was like, okay, well, let's just see. And because they're like, because they're doing a Cliff Notes version, their foot is on the gas pedal like the entire time of the story. So I think it just lends itself better to that kind of thing. And you're just being able to appreciate like all the sort of the high notes of everything like Alex was describing that they just, they crush it. It's, it's so well done. I I think, uh, sorry, Jake, go ahead. Uh, no, just I, I agree with that. I thought this was I I did enjoy the Les Mis half a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really good. This was just that much better. I thought the story was better. Uh, you know, the animation or the just the illustrations, not the animation was uh, was top tier. And I, I, I laughed harder in this half. Uh, just everything about it was was really good. I'm glad that this was the second story and not the first story. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that I had a better taste in my mouth at the end of it from reading the second, though I do wish we would have had as much time with War and Peace as we had with Le Mis, because Le Mis was like 116 pages. This was like 70. Um, so I, I do like the time with that. I wish we had more, but I do agree that it came second. I've seen the movie War and Peace, but... I've seen two of them, um, but they always center around the love story angle, which this did too. But in a 1200 page book with 500 characters, like clearly I know a big part of it is a political story and the story of the Muscovites. I think, I think Scrooge as a whole was one character that represented many, many characters doing different things, right? Like hoarding their money and, and so on in that story. So I like the way they condense things, but honestly, like reading that made me want to go read war and peace until then i read and it was like yeah like 500 characters like no i'm not i'm not gonna put myself through that like that's how good i thought that was um it left me it left me thinking that if i went and actually put time into war and peace i would not like it as much as i like this story and maybe that's the problem like maybe that's why i didn't like les mis as much because i know it so much i'm like the biggest I'm the biggest show choir kid that ne- was never in show choir. I love musicals and, and plays and stage plays. So I've, I've seen Lim is done well that I thought this was okay, but I've never seen enough award piece. So I thought this was astounding. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, it is great. Anybody else? No, good. All right. Well, you know, guys, we had a really good laugh uh, whenever I announced that this was a thing on my order form, so I'm glad that we That's we nice. actually got to to read it and talk about it. So yeah, it was awesome. Appreciate you guys yeah. doing this with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you, you. Jake. yeah. Thanks for the book. Yeah, you're welcome. I uh, I've had at least three people that have either seen this like on my my coffee table in the living room or that I've talked. Uh, with that were like i gotta have a copy of that i gotta know what it is just like we were so yeah uh 
I think I think I've I've ordered a total of eight or ten of these books, uh, which okay. is crazy. I have to That's be awesome, I have to be the highest selling comic shop in America for this particular book. You're going to call like you did with that other company. I know. I I wish I would <laughs> send me more. Like I want to read. I want to read more of these. I think they're great. I was going to say I'm not going to lie. Like I will probably reach out to you and see if you can order maybe some of the others. Yeah. Because like they do have me interested in in some of the other stories. I, I looked at the list, kind of like you said. I'm sure some of them are classics, but none of them stuck out to me like mm-hmm. these two. Like I knew these names immediately. But still, yeah, I, I think I would like to check out some others because it was it was fun. It was a fun yeah. read. Well, they got Uncle it... Scrooge in 1984. Get me that one, okay? <laughs> I will. <laughs> that would be incredible. I think I think that this just it, it's one of those books that truly is all ages. Like kids are gonna read this yep. and laugh. Like, haha, guys are getting shot out of cannons. And like we did too. But we also appreciate the writer's note and, you know, the uh, all of the puns and the names and stuff that the kids wouldn't think is funny. But it, it's got it's got something truly for all ages. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is that this would be a really fun way. I wish that when I was in school like that, would this this would be a great way to introduce somebody to both of these like, you know, great literary works and blah, blah, Technically blah. my introduction. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was mine too, but I'm just saying, like, if you were a kid, like, in school, and some teacher was like, we're going to read, you know, Les Mis and Warm Peace, and you're like, boo, and they're like, but it's the Uncle Scrooge version, you're like, yes! <laughs> like, yeah! yeah. <laughs> That's a good point, Christian, that I hadn't really thought about, but, like, they do a great job at actually putting, like, author profiles to the beginning, and they talk about yeah. Victor Hugo mm-hmm. and so on, and, and Tolstoy, and I actually, funny enough, like I learned reading something. I had no idea that Victor Hugo and Tolstoy had ever crossed paths. Like I know their names independently, um, but apparently like Tolstoy spent time with Victor Hugo and actually gave, uh, I think it was Victor Hugo, the idea to kind of start to write on the poverty issue and, and so on. So I learned, I think it'd be a great way to help kids learn because you could teach yeah. them the real thing after going through the fun part. It's a very well put together book. Mm-hmm. Um, and one that would have no reason to get banned in a school today. So more of these in schools or Uncle Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> just just don't take away the uh, the the learning of like evade the tax man and hide your money. Like, that's the only thing that I think Scrooge Scrooge did there. Yeah. So. You know, I bet if we look it up, there's probably a Muppet Babies version of Les Mis or War and Peace, if I had to guess. Because they did they did all sorts of literary kind of like interpretations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to watch the shit out of Muppet Babies, yeah. man. Love Muppet Babies. good stuff. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, I'm that, gonna uh, Preston. Now you know. <laughs> that is it for the, uh, the two worlds portion of this. Uh, I believe you guys have a topic for us all to discuss. So do. I'll hand it over. We do. Yeah, yeah. So we were thinking so this this came back up because the other night uh, Preston, as he normally does, if he's looking at my TV, he snoops to see what is on my Xbox to see what or or a PlayStation, whatever's on my console. He's like, what's what's he been up to? What's he what's he got on here that I don't know about? Um, And Liza P was reinstalled. And he did. It was funny as I was waiting for him to say something. Um, so I just figured he would, but he didn't. And so it was only until the next day where he was like, 
he texted me randomly. He's like, I hey, saw it on the GG app. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, by the way, uh, what, what caused you to get back into that? And he's like, I noticed the other night and I just didn't say anything. Um, but we were talking about it there, which was, so, uh, I don't know how many episodes it will go. It was now, it was probably, uh, at least like 10, 10 episodes ago, but we were, I had first tried Liza P, um, literally like maybe a week or so after it had come out and it was uh not my cup of tea more or less the just didn't feel right especially when it's trying to emulate something like bloodborne which is one of my favorite games of all time um it was the game that i got alex to play that convinced him that he actually did like uh souls games um it's that good uh and so when you're emulating that i'm like my you know, I'm going to be way probably harsher than I normally would. Um, and so there was just a lot of things that didn't feel right. It felt off. And I just was just like, I'm sure this is well made and I can tell the people are really liking it. But just for me, it's just not clicking. Fast forward to like a week ago, they put out a giant update that basically overhauled like a bunch of different mechanics, like changed how the character starts uh, the parry window, or uh, not the parry window, the the parry itself, which was something that I personally complained about. Um, all like dodge movements, just in general, like performance things, all from top to bottom. Um, and even further back, obviously the biggest one that everybody probably knows is like Cyberpunk, right? That game launched in an absolute garbage state that looked like not anything that was in resembling a trailer and only just now is it in a state in which it resembles the original trailers that we got way back in the day. So this is kind of a topic that we've been kind of brewing on for a little while and Liza P just sort of brought it back up again, but was how from a critical perspective, like when you're reviewing anything or just, you know, whatever, how do you handle when a game either fixes a, you know, a core set of problems like in Lions P's case or completely reinvents itself like cyberpunk or no man's guy or things like that. How do you handle that from a critical perspective and like, what's the right way to still, you know, handle all of that. Just for some clarity for the conversation here, when you say, how do you handle that? Do you mean like, how do you square it with yourself? Like how do you view the game after that? Both. So like, how do you do it for yourself? And then critically, like from your own, like I'm I'm trying to examine this, you know, piece of art from, you know, whatever thing. But then also how should the industry at large handle it from like review's sake, right? So like if, you know, like Kotaku or whatever releases a review on Cyberpunk, but then two years from now or, or – two years from when it launched, it's a com- basically a completely different game. How do you handle that? But yes, the, for both personally and just industry wide. Awesome. I can go first. Oh, Cause I had an idea on it and then we can just go from there. No, if that's, that's what we wanted to do. No, I don't want you to go first. You've had too much okay. time to think about it. Um, I'll say like how I deal with it. So like, for example, it's like no man's sky. Like I, one of the few people who actually enjoyed how No Man's Sky was in the very beginning, but obviously it's a much different game now. So yeah, you were one of two people, it was you and me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it's it's changed so much and it's overhauled itself so much to where it's it's essentially a different game nowadays. Um, how would I rate that? I mean, 
I always look at it of how it first started out. Like we got cyberpunk getting award nominations this year at the new game awards. And I'm like, no, that game launched in a shitty trashy state. Um, this should not get its limelight. Like everybody's all like, Oh, it's a great game now. I'm like, that's fine, but they should still be having this slap on the hand still, or should be in like timeout because they feel like fucking up the very beginning and like ruining the whole launch of it. Um, but yeah, it is devil's, just, I, devil's advocate on that. The only award they got was uh like community or something, right? It was, or like it was ongoing, best ongoing, ongoing support. Game. Best ongoing That's support. All. So yeah, okay, ongoing. So you finally fixed your game. Great, good, good job. That's yeah. not what ongoing should be. Um I agree with you. Yeah, but yeah. so it's but I mean, am I curious about playing it? Sure. But I'm not gonna sit here and sing praise like Cyberpunk is one of the greatest games in the world, even if it's a decent game. I'm gonna say like it's just still gonna be that sour taste in my mouth because I was there, I knew how it got, but I got PlayStation and refunded me my money and everything for that fucking game uh so it's just it will always leave a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth um how i think they should go about it they're never going to do it but they should wait to release a game until it's done they're not going to fucking do that so sorry need to have i mean what what i mean for the wait for industry-wide is how should like viewers critics handle yeah sorry i should have been more specific so like how does it how sh- like you know, major publications or I mean, things like how should they handle it? You're running into the same kind of deal where you do with like Destiny or something like that to where an ongoing game, an actual ongoing yeah. game, uh, which should get nominations if they're doing well because it's an ongoing game, a live, live service game, if you will. Um, you can kind of review the parts that came out. So if you want to review Cyberpunk, you have the release date Cyberpunk and then you have version 5.7, whatever, whichever one fucking fixed it in the end. Um, and then you can have a review of that patch of that thing but i don't think that should change the initial review that you had of that game because it needs to be out there like you can't rewrite history just because you fucking put a patch out that fixed the fucking game um so let me i'll ask a question to the other two on here and casey i know you say you don't play a lot of games i'm not sure if you've run into this i know jake plays a game that is perpetually broken in his eyes right um in halo so I guess Jake to you it and it, it's hard because I know you play a lot of Nintendo and honestly a lot of Nintendo games don't release broken so it's you, you may not run into that as or much, or when they do Nintendo just goes <laughs> right <laughs> but, but for like Halo say they listen to everything you had a problem with which when it comes to network stuff maybe is on the on the upside right so say we're three or four months in they've released the network stuff all of a sudden, when you hit somebody with a hammer, they die. When you shoot rockets at their feet, they die, um, and so on. How would you view that game? Because you've been playing Halo for a couple years now and have been real angry. Mm-hmm. So what would it be if they flip the light switch? Oh, I've heard um, it be angry. It's, it's, it's fun. I think Halo... Halo is in its own category because... I've played Halo since it launched in 2001. And that's yeah. like the game that I've played. I mean, let's be real. We, we can we can call that my whole life, right? Because that, that was like a genre defying game, I think. Um, it's it's a cultural like touchdown at this point. Yeah. Yes. Jake was also born, born on a leap day. So he's really only six years old anyway. So <laughs> yeah. Like... <laughs> right. Um, it's just one of those things where no matter how good or bad halo is i'm gonna play it no matter what um you know if if i didn't play it four or five times a week with my dad would i keep playing it as often probably not um so that's a big you probably would have just switched back to mcc yes 
Yeah. So <laughs> let's talk about MCC. When it launched, it was an absolute dumpster fire. Yeah. Uh, now, now that they've stopped supporting it, it's amazing. Um, so like like I just said, it started out shitty. Now it's great. If Infinite started shitty and then turned great and be like, well, it was shitty. Now it's great. That That's just Halo. Um, when it comes to like Cyberpunk, that's not a game that I've played. But everyone here knows how much I love CD Projekt Red and The Witcher yep. games. Uh, they made Cyberpunk. If I had been hyped and was like a day one buyer of Cyberpunk, I would probably feel differently. But my stance on that uh, is just. This is as far as I know, is the only time that CD Projekt Red has ever fucked up like this. Didn't they mess up a bit on Witcher 3 at the very beginning? Yeah, so for... But they gave free updates to fix it and stuff. So I I think Jake is still correct. When Witcher 3 launched, it was like in rougher shape than where it ended, but it's nothing on the level of what happened with cyberpunk like cyberpunk really was a truly a bait and, it felt like a bait and switch I don't know what I'm saying, like, sure. thank you or like the apology letter and everything back then yeah right the right well still it's just like if we talk about like ea right or or any other big company like that we we can say that they've done that a lot and we can like what battlefront 2 right? yeah, yeah. We could name five games that each of these big companies have done that with. With CD Projekt Red, they've done it once, and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they've maybe learned their lesson. Sure. We'll see when the next game drops. If it's if it's another cyberpunk, then it's like, okay, they're like everybody else. Or they if mission. they release another masterpiece like Witcher 3, then I'm of a mind that was like, look, they fucked up. They made it good eventually, which says something about them. And if the next one's good, I think we can say that was a fluke, even if it was a really big fluke for some people. Um, but if it were if it were any other game like like Liza P, I've not played that. But if I felt the way that Christian did when it came out. I'd be like, sorry, you guys blew your chance. There are a yeah. million other games that I can play right now. I don't give a shit if you fixed it. The hype is gone. I'm not coming back to it. Uh, if I were Kotaku or some other game site, I'm kind of I kind of agree with Preston that it's like, nah, fuck those guys. Like my review should be out there forever. But at the same time, there should be some sort of like, like edit. Here's what happened after the big update. It is good. Like, but no, know how much I hated it. And this is what they did. Yeah, yeah. still bad, mm-hmm. but at least they fixed it. Yeah. I don't know. That's where I'm at. With I, it. I actually feel I feel like anybody that writes reviews across the gamut of like genres and industries, if you're going to write a day one review and, and kind of hate on things like that, you should be forced to do a follow up for a bunch of re- like both directions, because we know when something bad happens like like cyberpunk it's now the cool thing to do to write the bad review right like that so everybody piles onto it but you know take it the other way like take the mcu people might see a movie and he prays and prays on it 
because it was the popular thing to do. But then when you go back to it, you realize it's not so good or or they made mistakes or what whatever. I don't know. There there should I I think that people oftentimes jump the gun. CD Project is an interesting one because theirs is bad enough that actually led to firings and a lot of internal drama with finance. And, and theirs was different too, kind of like the Activision and why Destiny had issues for a while. It all came down to money and finance. And I don't think that's necessarily fair to put on the storytellers of the game. So I think you should give them a shot when they get the reins back to do what they want to do. But we live in a we live in a reactionary world where it's it's really easy to hate and I am okay with giving a game a chance or coming back to it later and letting it turn into what it needs to turn into down the road. So I do think, because I'm not going to say that that doesn't happen, because obviously there are tons of times where people are just haters be haters or they are throwing praise to throw praise. I think in, for CD Projekt's case, whether it's in that particular instance, I think that they deserved the negative things that happen. Like, Everything that everybody wrote about that game was true. It was bad. And the and and I still remember, I remember before this podcast even was a thing, or, or sorry, before our podcast was a thing, you guys are so good, but like when when uh Cyberpunk was like first coming out, I remember I had gotten I had watched a uh an early giant bomb video about Jeff who had came back from a preview event who had played it and was like, guys, this is not this is looking bad. Like this is not what it should be looking like. And it doesn't say, do any of the things they said. And I still remember Alex and Preston, when they were on discord with me, were like, nah, he was just a hater. It's fine. I'm going to wait till day one. I believe in them. It's going to happen. And then it exploded and it was true. And then CD project turned around and tried to blame QA testers. They tried to blame low level developers. They tried to blame all of all these other people except for the studio heads which were the actual people who were at fault in my opinion or who are always at fault in my opinion um because no there's no developer there's no regular person who wants to release a bad game like ever that's not a thing that you know ever wants to happen but it's usually studio heads and and managers that that make these decisions um so i want it's it's hard because like i think that at a high level these companies definitely need to be held accountable for when they ship things that are either abject lies or are bad like products um but i do think that to your point alex i do think that that also shouldn't like sway developers from wanting to like you know sort of how like no man's sky did it which is like put their heads down and just keep working on it until they can release it so like i don't have a Personally, I don't have a problem going back and checking something out if I've heard that it's different or if something has been fixed. Critically, I think for me, I think you always to to Jake's point and and to press, I think you always have to leave that review there. You cannot get rid of that original review. I think you have to let people know how that game launched and where it was at. But then I think even having a simple blurb, it, it you know, in the same article or however you want to do it, but being like if we were to review it today, right? Like here's what it would look like if we reviewed it as a product today and then give a second like separate score, then I think that's probably the best way to handle it. Cause you're still giving, you're still rewarding whatever work 
goes back into it to make it the better thing that it should be while also not trying to erase the fact that it was a dumpster fire in the beginning like but like who cares and i don't say this lightly and i don't mean it facetiously who cares like if it if you go find a review and i'll tell you why like if you find a review today from a game that came out three years ago that's different now than it was three years ago why do i care to read a review on how the game was three years ago I don't think you should reward it at all. So pressing to your point, when it won an award for best ongoing game, I even had a problem with that because like, that's stupid. You just fixed a game that was broken. You should not be celebrated with accolades, but like who cares about the review piece of it from three years ago? If it's not the same thing, Warframe is not the same game. It was today that it was 10 years ago. And not, I'm not ever saying Warframe is ever bad, but like I can't read a review from the launch of the, ps4 when it came out and get an idea of what that game is today because it's gone through so many iterations well i think that's you you can that's why they review expansions and releases in their own separate thing so that it's like a if you search warframe as reviews it'll have warframe original and then it's links to all the different expansions they've done since then right. I, but that's a whole but, but you think that's going to keep people from buying it if i read it and no. say, oh, i'm going to try this out but like it was bad at launch like fuck this company I don't know that it's going to I actually I don't know that that matters at all. I think that the reason that it's important to have that stuff is because you need to know I, I think it's important to have that history there because at the end of the day even though I it, like you know games in my opinion are art and all that other stuff it's still a product that you purchase and I think that when you if you erase if you get to a point where everybody erases any mistakes going forward. There's going to be people who had not heard about whatever happened with cyberpunk or how Witcher three, you know, potentially launched or no man's sky, or even in a minor case, like last P and all those other things that allows, I think it, it lets the people who, who made those poor decisions in the first place off the hook in the future. Like, all, if you were to erase what happened with Battlefront 2 to the point where it got where it was fixed and all this other stuff, you and there was not stories about how it was boycotted and left on shelves and doing all this other stuff, that's essentially just letting EA off the hook. It's the same way where companies now, if they do something stupid, they just go, well, all we have to do is just wait out this news cycle. It'll, it'll be okay. It'll blow over. We'll wait out this news cycle, and then nobody will remember that we fucking blamed our QA testers and low-level developers I mean, for fucking cyberpunk being fucked up instead of what it actually was. This is this is the jaded part of me, but that already, ha- in my opinion, that already happens. EA, EA does nothing but release broken games. Look at EAFC. It's like a terrible soccer game, but they still sell millions of the, and they, and their battlefront had nothing to do or did no impact on this, right? And it's just, I mean, I think for big companies... Totally- it they affected already that series, just weighed though. out the news cycle. It did. It affected Battlefront. And there's a few games like Grand Theft Auto remake that was all that port that was redone. Like that was a terrible game that people shouldn't forget about, but often gets overlooked because of other games like Cyberpunk and, and so on. I almost think you should do the opposite. I think we should celebrate the people that stick around to fix games like the No Man's Sky team um, more than try and hurt the companies that don't because like those big company the, the big but companies how is leaving already an old review hurting that company and, and you're saying, also re-reviewing it but how is it hurting anything by leaving the history up there as opposed to trying saying, to erase it i'm not saying like get rid of it i'm just saying at the who cares 
Like, does it really affect people? Like, I think we. That I sounds think like you said the same thing. I don't. <laughs> people hold on to it, and I don't think leaving it up, like expecting people to find old reviews to hate on something, would mean as much as celebrating people that made things better. Do you still really think? Do you, do you still believe that what happened with Cyberpunk was people hating though? Like, really, honestly? No, but the people that did a lot of that are gone. So like, why don't, why don't you celebrate a lot of the investment heads, the people that wanted their money back that led to that quick release, they're no longer associated with CD. So like, why don't you celebrate the team that stuck with it? And again, like not give them awards, but why don't you talk about team, the 14 team again, the no man's sky team. Like we should be telling stories about these people that really stayed with it and worked to give the fans eventually what they deserve versus like continually calling back to the way something launched or but that's, led to that because like we don't always know what led to these terrible releases in the back room that that put out a crappy product right and a lot of the people that put out crappy products are the big companies where at the end of the day it's not going to matter to them anyway so i just think you know at getting people to stick with something that that they want them to get better or that gets better means more than just like you know but that's what that but that's what a re but that's what a second review would do anyway like if you're saying like this is what it would look like if we reviewed today and then it jumps up 30 points that is celebrating those new people like i don't understand why i don't i I don't understand the difference between what i'm talking about as oh why would somebody need to go back and delete the old review and post a new one as opposed to just being like here's here's what it was here's what happened and this is what it would look like today. No, I'm fine. I said earlier, like I'm fine with doing, you know, a re-review or something like that it does make sense, as you said. I just, I think we oftentimes harp too much on the failures and don't call out the successes, I guess, right? Again, we're a reactionary, we live in a reactionary world where everybody finds it easy to hate on things and continue to hate on things forever. Um, and I don't think we give credit to the people that actually stick with it to, to make it better that sort of thing that sounds that sounds very much like i'm saying like pick yourself up by your bootstraps make yourself better. that's not at all what i'm saying um I, i'm just saying that like we tell too many negative stories we don't celebrate enough of the the, the positive things or the people that work to make it better that's all, that's all. I, don't, I don't know yeah i think that anytime somebody sticks around to make a game better they do always like i've never seen a situation where somebody has came back to fix their game and then everybody's been like yeah, too late. Go fuck yourself. Like Cyberpunk is getting its like it's had its it's sold more in the most recent like the last like six months than it has in its entire life cycle. No Man's Sky is like has more players attached to it now than it ever has. So like, I think that I I yeah, I don't know. I think that people do reward when people come back and fix. 14 is a great example of people coming back and continually supporting a game after it came back and fixed. But I do think it's important to be like to to not just like get rid of what happened because it's still there and to your point about sports games i mean i think that's a one-off example of where people are addicted to gambling and it's just it's an an, that's an ea problem ea is just they're they're allowed to release shit and always get away with it yeah i am looking forward to the day that jake eats crow and says hey guys i just played some matches at halo it is now a good game 
I I think that you guys think that I don't want that day to come, but I do. Want that day to come. <laughs> There's no part of me that likes hating on Halo. I fucking love Halo. I just want it to be yeah. good. I have had. I'm going to be honest with you. I've had a lot of fun playing with you and your dad, um, and some other people we played with. And uh, when I hurt my hand, I, I never told Allie this, but when I hurt my hand like the next day, and I knew it was bad, and it was, it was going to be a while. One of the, one of the things that popped in my head first was like, man, I'm not going to be able to play Halo for a long time, and like I'm, I'm not going to be able to play with Jake. <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah. and I was starting to get, I was thinking like I was starting to get better, right? Like, and 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 just get into it. And I was, I was big sad. I'm still big sad. I, I know, man. You, you really, you, you said you were going to put in the time and and improve, and that's exactly what you did. Yeah, lose it all. Casey, uh, do you have any any thoughts on the matter? Because I know that you do at least play like uh, like NBA games and stuff. No, I mean, I think if they're sending out a broken game, they need to be held accountable. I mean, that's all there is to it. It's like, yo, yeah, you can fix it three years later, but who gives a shit? That's too little too late. I already gave you my $70. Like the games are too damn expensive for that. Like you're rushing them out and you're doing all this shit and yet you're wanting to the prices even go up. So it's like, how does that make any sense? The quality goes down and the, the prices go up, but hey, at least, you know, LeBron looks really sweaty right now. So <laughs> just, I want I want to see all of LeBron's sweat. Casey, are you a basketball fan? Yeah. Who's your team? Uh, Pacers and Spurs. Man, we need... I, we should have just done our basketball cast today. We've talked <laughs> yeah. about it. If I if I knew that, we have so many things basketball wise we can talk <laughs> about. From Draymond saying he would have retired if it wasn't for Adam Silver calling him personally uh, to the, the in season tur- to the tournament, like so much good stuff to talk about. To uh, uh, Giannis completely getting just like swatted by uh, wait, Wimby. wait what's his Wimby the other day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't with it. It was a good play. It was, it was. a good play. Can I ask? Side note, you know what? We can even end this. I'll ask it after the fact. It's fine. I don't want to. I don't want to derail us because it's been a long. It's been a long day. Um, like to Casey's point, real quick. I think that it's worse for the sports gamers because you know Casey said I already gave you my seventy dollars. Once they put out that game, once once twenty four comes out, the next day they're working on twenty five. Yeah, and like that previous one, they doesn't fucking matter anymore. And if you if you talk and there's to no competition. Yeah, no, competition. there's no other basketball game to go to. If, yeah, if you talk to the developers that work on those titles, the biggest problem is that it's it is basically the tech version of a sweatshop. Like they don't, they're ne- they never leave their cubicle. Like they are always stuck there. Develop to, to your point, Jake. The day it ships, they already had have had a sub team that had broken off on them to that was already working on next year's to be able to shit it out really fast so that they have it to hit that release date because they do have a monopoly on it and there's nothing it's that's why i think it's it's a it's a whole other animal based on everything that we were talking about is because you know like in halo's instant halo has the thing where it's like you know there's other shooters on the market so when you don't show up and you don't show up correctly like you really are on a limited time window to fix it and get it to the point that it should be because there's other shooters that can take up like somebody's Apex, time. Apex, right. like Destiny, I guess. The sports games don't have that luxury. Like it is if if I'm if I'm somebody who likes playing FIFA, my option is to play FIFA and gamble my entire paycheck away on player cards 
or not and find something else to do. And it's, I'll, you know, also, you know, sorry, go ahead. Oh, so, you know, with sports games too, how disgusting that culture is. Like when you walk into work, if you make the game, you're a peon. But if you work in that finance department, that all you do is think of new ways to sell the same cards to people like you are a god on that campus. And it has to oh, be yeah. the biggest bro culture you've ever seen. You know, yeah. it's disgusting. Yeah. I wanted to say too the the. The last time that I can think of competition. Uh, was for my Sega Genesis. There, I had NBA Jam, which I know everybody knows NBA Jam. And whether mm-hmm. you like basketball or not, you probably think that game is fun. And then there Techno. was, surprise, EA made NBA Live. And they yeah. put out NBA Live every year. I've got like NBA Live 97 or 98 back on that shelf next to NBA Jam. And Jam was way fucking better. NBA Live is a terrible basketball game. And it's like, how how is it that EA ended up being the ones that to this day are the only ones that can make these fucking games? Well, we get same th- same thing with too. the 2K games. Yeah. 2K, 2K games were better yeah. than EA. Yeah. Mm. It was weird, I, I don't play it. I had a uh, EA. It was 2003 for GameCube. And that one, it was awesome. Like, I played that so much. But then, like, they changed up, like, you know, the controls just slightly like the you know, three years later when I was like, yeah, I'll get a new one now. And I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. And like so, the, so the, much so that they'll even make an option in the control setting. That's like NHL 94 buttons. Yeah. It's like, well, how about that? Just be the button layout. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't make understand. that game again. I say, I don't understand how they get away with it too. Cause like, you know, EA made FIFA, but FIFA broke off as of this year. So now the new game is EA FC. Um, but still they're just like, that's fine. You can go play the FIFA game when it comes out, or like you can still maybe bring get like extra credits from playing last year's version or whatever. So like we're still gonna hold you into this ecosystem. So even if you want to leave, you can't, you know, it's just they're gross. EA is the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a whole nother topic. So Preston, you look like you have a puppers ready to go bed. Dude, Ted. Dad, ready to go bed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Look at him. Look at him. He's a, he's a little butter man. He's melty. He's a good boy. He is. Oh, he's stinky. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, um, thank you all for joining our half of this podcast. Um, Jake, I'll let you sign off because technically we are we are invading you. I mean, you had us on. You asked if you wanted if we want to do this crossover. I know we had talked about it in the past, <laughs> but you you guys made it happen. Um, so from the testing room side, thank you for hanging out with us. But Jake, I will pass it back over. Sure. Um, yeah, we'll we'll be back next week with a regular episode. We're really glad that we were able to get everybody together for this. Uh, hopefully, if you're just Two Worlds listeners, you uh, enjoyed some insight into the gaming industry. And uh, as always, please, please check them out on the regular as well. Um, we love their show. We love these guys. And I know we're going to do some more crossover stuff in the future. We've been throwing around the idea of doing some sort of tabletop RPG like D&D one shot. So uh, we'll look forward to that in the future. But uh, but that's it for us. So we'd love to stay in chat, but we have to, you know, form a giant robot and kick Rita Repulsa's ass. So we'll catch you next time. See you guys. Hell yeah. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to another episode of The Testing Room. To catch up on past episodes or check out the newest ones when they drop, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If watching is more your thing, check out youtube.com at the testing room or twitch tv slash testing room pod. To leave comments and ask questions, follow us on Instagram at testing room pod and email us at testing at gmail.com. See you next time.